Thursday, May the 25th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We'll talk a little bit about the Lakers um, finishing their season. Kind of mixed feelings because I know it's a bummer to get swept, but they had a really good year. They really did flip the script on uh, on how bad things were going. And then lots of horse racing for this weekend. Some Friday best bets for Santa Anita. Saturday, Santa Anita best bets. Saturday, Louisiana Downs best bets. We have a few for Canterbury for Saturday. They have opening weekend. Then Sunday and Monday, a couple best bets for Louisiana Downs. We'll finish things up with uh, this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. It's a big weekend. We have three big wrestling shows. Saturday, it's WWE Night of Champions. That's in the afternoon. Then on Sunday, we have NXT Battleground. We also have AEW Double or Nothing. Big shows this weekend. Chad helps discuss all of them on this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Now, this weekend is a big, big weekend. There's a Daily Racing Form Memorial Day sale. I always talk about DRF because I use Daily Racing Form to handicap all the races. They have up to 50% off on select handicapping products. Uh, formulator or classic past performances you can get up to 20% off on those for big packages if you're interested in the clocker reports with Delmar with Saratoga coming up you need help with those races they have clocker reports you can purchase now and then you can use them as credits when you want to purchase particular days they have the digital paper which is the exact replica of the racing form They just email it to you in the order with all the same exact articles, everything that you'd want. Check out the big sale this weekend, Memorial Day sale, daily racing form. So it's it's a bummer, right? Because for me as a Laker fan, you get you get swept 4-0. Most people who are listening to this aren't Laker fans. So what ends up happening when I when I try to talk basketball, it's a bummer because so many people hate the Lakers so much and hate LeBron so much. I can't even have real conversations with most people about basketball because they'll say something like, LeBron stinks, the Lakers stinks, I hate him. It's like, cool. I I don't like Boston or the Clippers, you know, personally. Like, I don't love those teams, but I can still have a conversation about what went right, what went wrong, what was good, what was bad. And it's, it's so few people have those conversations about the Lakers. And even worse are our own Laker fans sometimes who say things like, Anthony Davis is no good. You know, um, the Lakers were 13th out of 15 teams in the West in February this year. 13th out of 15. They were not close to making the playoffs. Things were not good. Then they made a trade. First, they brought in Rui. Then they sent out Westbrook, and they brought back D'Angelo, Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. Changed the whole season. Anthony Davis got healthier. He was incredible down the stretch. The Lakers make it to the play-in. They're a seventh seed. They're down in the play-in game by 15 to Minnesota. They come back. They win that game, so they end up becoming the number seven seed. They go and play Memphis. So they have to open up on the road against Memphis. They beat Memphis in that series. They beat the crap out of them in game six. Absolutely crushed them. Now, was Memphis missing Steven Adams and Brandon Clark? Sure. They weren't missing Jaw Morant. They had missed Jaw for one game. They weren't missing their best players. Those are two rotation players that would have helped them. 
But the Lakers absolutely destroyed Memphis, and a lot of that was because of Anthony Davis, who was incredible. In that first series, 20 points, 13.7 rebounds, 4.3 blocks a game. Anthony Davis led the playoffs in blocks per game and in rebounds per game while averaging 22.6 points per game and shooting 85% from the free throw line. He had 50 blocks, 5-0 in 16 games. 14.1 rebounds per game overall in the playoffs for a team that made the Western Conference Finals. They beat Memphis. They beat Golden State. They were the only Western Conference team who has ever defeated this group of Golden State Warriors in a playoff series. The only time Golden State's lost has been in the finals. And then what happened? After a good series against Memphis, a good series against Golden State, the Lakers ran into Denver. And in that series against Denver, the top six players for Denver were incredible every game. The Lakers had four guys that were playable. Jamal Murray averaged 32.5 points per game. He shot 52% from the field and 40% from three. Jamal Murray, Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., KCP, all shot over 40% from three. They're all making all their shots? It wasn't even a Lakers playing bad defense thing. These guys were just making tough shots. Lakers got swept. But in all four games they were in, and honestly, would you rather get swept or lose a series 4-1 to one in one of the games you got beat by 30? I don't know, Phoenix won two games against Denver. They were down by 30 at halftime in the closeout game. Lakers lost by 5-6-11-2. Really great effort. What happened? The Lakers ran into a better team. Nikola Jokic is the best player in the world right now. I would honestly say Anthony Davis is probably like the second best big man. I still take AD over Embiid. Look what happened with Embiid. AD is a much better defensive player, but Jokic is a little bit better offensively. Kind of a microcosm of what happened in this series was the shot that Jokic hit. Anthony Davis playing good defense. Jokic hits a three, falling away right over him. For the Lakers, it it really hurt to see D'Angelo struggle so much in this series. He averaged only six points per game. He shot 13% from three. Yeah, that's not a joke. 13% from three. He made three. No, he made two three-pointers in the entire series in four games. He was two for 15. So the Lakers had LeBron, AD, Austin Reeves, and Rui. Those guys had a great series. They were there. You could count on them night in, night out. Schroeder had one good game offensively, and that was in game four when he hit three threes. So now Schroeder wasn't giving them anything offensively. D'Angelo wasn't giving them anything offensively. Vanderbilt wasn't able to play because he wasn't able to give them anything offensively. And Lonnie Walker wasn't as good in this series. He wasn't hitting shots as often. So there were four guys the Lakers felt comfortable playing in this series, and Denver had six. Denver shot better from three. Their top two were a little bit better than the Lakers' top two, and their top six were better than the Lakers' top six. Once I started looking at the numbers a little bit, you know, as fans, we get frustrated, especially when your team loses right away or when they lose poorly right right after your what could have happened, woulda, coulda, shoulda. It was a very good run for the Lakers. I had a lot of fun the last couple months as a fan watching them play basketball. And 
it feels like it just might be the year for the Nuggets. All of their role players stepped up. Their stars hit all the big shots when they needed to. And now the Nuggets kind of kick back and wait to see if Boston can push the series a little farther with Miami and see if Boston has a comeback in them. But Lakers, Lakers fans, if you are frustrated, if you're wanting to ship Anthony Davis out, let me ask you, who, who would you prefer? Because you need some semblance of a big man in some defense. Look at the teams that are all around right now. They're all good defensively. Miami, Boston, very good defensively. The Lakers were the best defensive team after the trade deadline. And even Denver, while Jokic isn't incredible defensively, he is a big body that can still throw his arms up. And one of the reasons why Denver is winning now, KCP, Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, those are all major defensive pieces. Would you prefer Carl Anthony Towns, Bam Adebayo, Jaron Jackson Jr., who Anthony Davis just dominated, Julius Randle, Sabonis, Gobert, Aiton. Those are some of the others that are in his kind of range. The most underrated player in all of the NBA is Anthony Davis. There's not one basketball player that does what he does defensively. Not one. And then can give you what he can offensively. Everybody wants to talk about what he doesn't do. Why don't we talk about the things that he does do? Shout out to the Lakers. Great year even though you ended on a, on a sour note. And Denver, wow, I'm so impressed with the Denver Nuggets. They have had an incredible year. So Lakers are out. We'll see what happens next. Already the rumors of LeBron retiring. You got to give him a little time to figure all that out. We'll see. We'll revisit that in a few weeks in a month or so. <laughs> Stable Duel app and play today. Don't forget about Friday morning every week, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time. This weekend in Stable Duel, we give you all of the information, all the details for the contest coming up, and then we share our best bets five to one and up only in the no chalk zone. Myself, Barry Spears, and Matt DeSantis every Friday morning on social media. Come give me a follow. It's me, Gino B. Let's dive into some racing now. We've got Friday racing. We've got Saturday racing. We've got Sunday. We've got Monday. I did record a few of these on um, StreamYard on a, on a uh, site where I could show them on social media. So if you want some help looking at the races on Friday for Santa Anita, Saturday for Santa Anita, Saturday for Louisiana, come follow me on Twitter. And actually, you can look at the uh, the past performances while I talk this out. Don't forget, too, because it's the weekend, Saturday, those Pick'em contests are back at Santa Anita. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com, totally free to enter. Combination of sports questions and betting props for 
all sports and the races. Free to enter, 500 to the winner, pick'em.sananita.com. Let's get into Friday for Santa Anita right now. Big weekend coming up at Santa Anita Memorial Day weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday racing. Graded stakes all over the place. Let's dive into Friday and start building the bankroll. I am looking at the daily racing form past performances. And this weekend, DRF has a huge sale, Memorial Day sale, up to 50% off past performances, picks, clocker reports, and digital paper. We'll show you exactly what that sale looks like at the end of the video. But if you're someone who purchases DRF past performances or any of the DRF tools, Purchase them this weekend with that big sale and take advantage of it. You know Saratoga, you know Del Mar is coming up. You're going to be using those clocker reports. So take advantage now while you can save. Let's get over to Santa Anita for Friday, and let's take a look at races two, three, and five. So race number two is a mile on the turf course here. It's a optional 50, and it's not the biggest field in the world. I expect a three slam Diego to take a bunch of money. He's nine to five. She's nine to five on the morning line. Rose Barton is going to take some money. She has only raced twice here, but she has a little bit of back class. So she wouldn't shock. And then you have tear garden on the outside. Who's eight to five. So those three will take the bulk of the support. I think the one's a, a little sneaky in here, precious baby. So let's look at her form overall, her career debut going a mile on the turf. She goes wire to wire. And following that, She's kind of just been in tough spots. And when she's in races where she's not getting the lead, she just doesn't want to pass horses. So her last few, she's been in races where they went very fast early on. Look, they went 23 flat in a mile race on January the 28th. Right before that, she was just in way too tough. That was an open first level allowance going a mile and an eighth on the turf, probably in too tough and too far. January 28th, can't get the lead because they're going so quick. March 9th, can't get the lead because they're going that quick on the dirt. April 8th, again, they're going very, very quick early. Last time out, she runs into a horse named uh, Ancient Peace, who's a very nice horse. This one came back uh, recently, was a six-length winner in that April 8th race, and then was in the Providencia and tried Graded Stakes Company. But that's a nice individual. So I'm looking at this field, and I'm hoping that they just – get really aggressive with Precious Baby from the inside, send hard. She gets back to the turf where she's had her success. She's faster than Nora's Princess. She's faster than Slam Diego. She's faster than Rose Barton. She's faster than Tea Garden. I think she's the one to catch. Precious Baby, 6-1 to one on the morning line. We wouldn't want to take too much lower than that. The The measuring, the kind of baseline for her is about 9-2 to two for me. So I'd need five to one to make that wager on Precious Baby, the number one in race two. Let's move right next door. What you're going to see a horse in here named Worcester. Worcester was the third place finisher in the Bob Lewis. This horse went to Dubai, was in the UAE Derby behind Derma Sotagake and Continuar. And he lost to a couple other very highly regarded Baffert horses in to start his career, Faustin and Hijazi. He's three to five on the morning line, so he's going to get bet. Now, can absolutely win this race. He's probably the most likely winner in this race. But keep in mind, he's already been a horse who hadn't put it all together, and now he's coming back from Dubai. That Dubai trip takes a lot out of horses sometimes. This is the best time to play against a horse like that when they're making their first start back 
off the Dubai trip. So now if the approach in this race is we're playing against Worcester. So let's start going through the rest of the field. So we're against the five, the six. Can I make a case for Noble Gary? Not really. He's going to stretch out and try the dirt. Didn't really show much. I need to see more from him before I could really get excited with him. How about Smart Mo? First time starter going long. Not easy. This course seems a little more turfy. Also, if you look at the, the the pedigree, the dam was all turf. All eight victories came on the grass. There's not a whole lot to, to dive into as far as pedigree is concerned. And first time out of the box for sheriffs, not necessarily what they do the best, maybe down the line. So now all of a sudden we've crossed out the six. We're not going to play the five because it's too short. Crossed out the four smart mo. Dazzle me silver. Well, yes, this horse can absolutely win. He was in the grade one San Diego Derby last time out behind practical move. If you're trying to bet this race in, you know, if you're playing any sort of early exotics, like an early pick five, I would use the three along with maybe one other if you're trying to beat Worcester. I, I think for him, just excusing that San Anita Derby race gets him right back to this level where he fits very well. I had a tough time getting to finding love and now kind of by process of elimination, you get you get to Austonian. Now I know he's a cowbred in this race and his last effort wasn't the best. He had a really bad start. He kind of hit the gate and he got bumped around. We can see it on the head on here when we pull it up. So Austonian in this race we're watching, he's the seven. Watch him right here to start. Hits the gate and then bump, bump, bump. Loses his fitting, and now the field just closes. Like He's still getting kind of bounced back and forth as he was in. That's just a brutal way to start. When that happens, a lot of times, you can just eliminate that race. Can we eliminate that race and just play him off the March 5th? For just playing him off March 5th, I think with the blinkers coming on from the rail, finding love isn't really fast. Dazzle me silver isn't really fast. Like he, I think he'll want to be forwardly placed. Worcester's not really fast. Smart Mo isn't really fast, and neither is Noble Gary. I think we might get another instance of a horse stretching out from sprint races with the blinkers coming on and just sending hard. Is Austonian as good as a horse like Worcester or maybe even Dazzle Me Silver? Maybe not. But in this spot, I think he may be able to get some separation here. Number one, Austonian, six to one on the morning line. Let's move to race number five. Talk about one more on the Santa Anita card for Friday. I'm looking at Ghazali in here, the number three. So his last race wasn't good, plain and simple. We don't have to sugarcoat it. April 30th, he was coming off of almost a two-year layoff. And he had some trouble early. So two years off. You get back to the races, and then you have trouble right off the bat. I think we can just eliminate that race and use it as a fitness-building race. I think Ghazali was able to gain a lot of fitness out of that April 30th race. Look, this is a five-year-old who they paid a million dollars for, had as beautiful bred horse. If he was not ready and still didn't have something left, I don't think he would be back running. Now, let's look at Ghazali debuts back at Gulfstream Park, and he's behind Prevalence. We just saw Prevalence come back over the weekend, was the runner-up in the Maryland Sprint, and Prevalence is a graded stakes winner. It's also a decent race with horses like Age Raider. You also have Quantum Leap in there who came out of that race and showed good success. 
so if we're looking at some of the horses Ghazali faced early on in his career, prevalent stage raider, there's quantum leap about mask parade. Another one, a nice horse is a great at stakes winner. He won the Ohio Derby was third in the Jim dandy. Ghazali was right behind that one. Wolfie's Dyna ghost seen recently. This is a multiple stakes winner. Wolf was just in the grade one turf classic. He won the Kentucky cup classic over at Turfway. Look at how live this race was too. He had founder restored order and spectator lists all come back and win in their next start. So Ghazali had faced good company, sharp horses. And then on July the 21st, he's sent to the bench for a long time. He shows back up on April the 30th, probably needs the race. That was in a tougher spot. That was against a first-level allowance group. So this is class relief here for him. Should be way, way fitter. Aguilar jumps aboard for Vladimir Sarin. I like the three. Ghazali, who's 15-1 to on the morning line. So there's a look at a couple plays for you at Santa Anita. Don't forget that Memorial Day sale, drf.com, daily racing form, past performances, picks, clocker reports, digital paper, all of the tools that you use, they have them there for you. We can show you a one, just a look at what it is like when you see the, the sale and all the specifics of the sale. So let's take a look. The Memorial Day sale gets you 20% off on the 20-card classic formulator. You can get 60-card classic formulators for 20% off. You can get clocker reports, DRF picks, the monthly plan, which is the, the daily racing forms. If you want the exact replica of what the racing form is, you can get the digital paper. They will email it to you every single night. Saratoga's coming up. Del Mar's coming up. If you use DRF for past performances, for clocker reports, for anything, now is the time to take advantage and save. Good luck this weekend at Santa Anita. Well, while we're talking Santa Anita, let's just move from Friday right on over to Saturday and take a look at the back part of the Saturday Santa Anita card. Let's talk a little Saturday Santa Anita. It's a big weekend out there. Actually, have a couple cool promotions. They're giving out a million-dollar pick-six jackpot guarantee if anyone hits the single-ticket pick-six jackpot on Saturday, May 27th, or Sunday, May 28th. 20 cent rainbow pick six. Then on Monday, there's going to be the mandatory payout for the pick six jackpot Monday, May the 29th. Let's dive into a few of my plays for Saturday at Santa Anita. We're looking at the daily racing form, past performances, drf.com. And if you ever use the, the racing form, they have a big sale this weekend, up to 50% off past performances, picks, clocker reports. Think about what's coming up with Saratoga, with Del Mar. You're going to need help with those two-year-olds, with those baby races. And then digital paper, that's actually just the the racing form that gets emailed to you. And you get it in the exact order that the racing form comes out with all the articles, with all the order of the races, everything you want there. We'll, uh, we'll dive more into that sale at the end of this video. Let's talk about Saturday, Santa Anita, May the 27th. So as we move to the back part of the card, I normally do um, preview shows with my buddy Chappie over at Santa Anita and Seminar Skip. We do those on Friday nights to preview some of the Saturday races. And we usually look at like the stakes races in the back half of the card. So as I started looking through races five through nine, horse in uh, this fifth race jumped out of me, Tropicana Girl, the number two, who I think fits very, very well in here. And a lot of times in the past performances, when you see the Los Alamitos races, I think folks will dismiss those 
thinking they're not very strong. These thousand yard quarter horse races, they come up very, very tough. You have nice horses in there. What's ended up happening recently, a lot of the barns from Southern California, you know, Santa Anita based barns, they will use these races when they don't have anywhere else for their horse to run or even just as sort of like a training race to get a little bit more speed into horses. And Tropicana Girl comes out of some very live races over there at Los Al facing some tough horses in good form. Look at Trouble in Paradise most recently. One wire to wire in that one has won two of the last three and has been, what, three of the last six. Just a sharp horse right now. You also have, um, prior to that, Tropicana Girl running into another really, really sharp horse. And you have El Diablo Rojo and Darn Quick, both of them in very nice form. El Diablo Rojo, a horse who you just see lots of really good efforts. Darn Quick comes out of this race to win next time out. Now, what I'm looking at with Tropicana Girl, last time she was at Santa Anita, going six furlongs, she won. This is a five and a half furlong race, 12 five claimers. She won at Almost identical type spot. March the 17th, six furlongs against open 10 claimers. She ran really well that day. And the race has come back live. So you can pull up the chart with the uh, formulator, past performances. That's the style of the past performances I'm using here. Look who she defeated this day. Bella Ranella, who came right back to win against 12-5 claimers. And Rain Diva who came back to win the next start against $10,000 claimers. You can actually look through the past performances and see that both Bella Ranella and Rain Diva are in the running lines for some of the other common rivals in here. So Vegan lost to Bella Ranella. So you're 7-2, to but second, third choice, like a major player in this race, got beat by the horse. That Tropicana girl beat. How about the other one? Go to the outside. Rain Diva got the better of Drizella. So you're looking at these horses who have defeated some of the major rivals in this race. Here's Bella Ranella again, defeating Talkative Gal. And if you're able to just play Tropicana girl, focus on the Santa Anita race, and know that these races here are not that bad when she ran into some sharp horses at Los Alamitos, I think it's a good spot for her. She has speed, but as we saw her do on March the 17th, she can sit off a little bit if she has to. And at five and a half, this will give her the opportunity to sit off a, a little bit and, and still maybe have some punch late. I like the two Tropicana girl five to one on the morning line. Anything like seven to two plus that's fair. And you know, the outs, the lunatics probably the horse to beat who's now heading into the Peter Miller barn. So I'll, Use combinations of twos and sevens. Play the two if we can get anything around seven to two plus to win there. Let's move to race number six. It's a first level allowance. Optional 50 going a mile on the dirt. You have Showtime, who's in pretty nice form right now for Richard Mandela. Flying Drummer, this horse we haven't seen since December of 2021, was very highly regarded at one point for Bob Baffert. They paid $850,000 for this one. And... Katana's probably the horse to beat in here because you have a race like this where there's a lot of question marks um, and you're not, you don't really know what to do with so many of these runners. You have, you know, some horses from the inside stepping up. Showtime fits well. Phineas is always kind of an underneath horse. Flying Drummer, is this horse going to be ready? 
Is he the same type of horse off of that long of a layoff? And then you get to a horse like uh, the seven, who's just solid, really solid at this level fits. He has some speed. He can sit off though and pass some horses if he has to. So I think he's in the mix all over. But the one that I really like is the nine divine armor. And I know he's a horse who doesn't win often, but when you dive into his form, you know, he really has faced some tough horses along the way. Back here, he ran into Ginobili and Laurel River back to back. We saw Laurel River, a very nice stretch of uh, three wins in a row, including a graded stakes victory. And even just last year in April, you know, he's in a race with Parnelli, and there goes Harvard. There goes Harvard, comes out of that race and wins two more in a row, including the grade one gold cup. So then we'll dive into some of the recent form for Divine Armor. This is a horse who was off from July to May, showed back up in May on May the 7th. So first part in July, pulling up the race right now to watch Divine Armor, who's the number six in the, in this race that we're watching. And it's a pretty good start for Divine Armor here. Remember, this was off the bench, so maybe a little bit fresh. But three other horses all wanted to go to the lead. So Divine Armor decides to take back a little bit and ends up sitting nicely in fourth, right behind a line of three horses on the front end. Looks like he's getting the perfect trip. Unfortunately, as the race starts to develop, he, he gets surrounded on the outside, make an early move. And that's lovesick blues on making that early move on the outside. And then he gets caught right in between horses with absolutely nowhere to go. Kingdom hearts kind of backing up right into divine armor and divine armor is just stuck, just waiting, waiting, waiting. And he has to back out of a tight spot, angle to the outside four wide and all the way around. And the horse who wins the race got a smooth trip and was the horse that kind of pinned him in and divine armor ends up finishing second. You know, after angling around, he really did try hard and came back after back again after the leader who was geared down late. I thought it was a really good effort from divine armor in that one. He's five to one on the morning line. And if we can get anything in the seven to two ish sort of range, I think that's very fair value for him. Second start off the bench. He's drawn. Well, he can sit a little, but in this race now, stretching back out, you would expect him to be even more forwardly placed than, you know, in some of his races that we see. Because I think that six and a half race will sharpen him up a little bit. Divine Armor, horse to beat is the seven. I'll hook you, I'll hook those two up when uh, in a lot of the exotics there. Seventh race is down the hill. It's the grade three Daytona. Now, Fast Buck is the horse to catch. This is kind of pushing it about as far as he wants to go. But he really should be winging it. And if you notice, when he gets the lead and he clears, he's pretty tough to run down. When he doesn't get the lead, he just he really doesn't want to pass horses. That happened in March and in April. Look how fast they were going in some of those races. And particularly that April 9th race, he just couldn't get to the lead. They were flying. But this field doesn't have much other speed at all. The only concern is because it's such a short field, 5-2 to two just feels a little light for him. Like you'd want like five to one for him in this field, kind of trying to push it to six and a half. The outside horse could also be better this time around because burning turf, looking at his recent form overall, 
So he was off from May to February, showed back up in February, and then was didn't run well, and then came back in April. And in that race, it was fine. It's kind of in between horses. I think with the outside draw, they're going to get a little more aggressive and maybe just have him either on the lead or sit in second. Because I don't think he's as fast as Fast Buck. So you let Fast Buck go, and then he could be right behind. But again, because the field is so short, five to two feels a little bit short in here. That's my biggest concern. This just didn't feel like a, a very playable race to me for that reason. I think if you're going to play the race, maybe the one at just at the value, we just saw lovesick blues in, uh, in that last race. Uh, and watching the replay a few starts back with divine armor there, but Indian peak just from a value based standpoint would probably be the one I would, would look to Indian Pete ran really well back-to-back races down the hill, but did get a nice inside, like an inside move. And what makes Sammy run came rolling down the outside, but just from, from value, maybe, maybe the one don't really love this race from a betting standpoint, all that much. We have the grade two triple bend, which is race number eight in the headliners. in this one will be forbidden kingdom who was your San Felipe, your San Vicente winner from 2022. And you'll also have Spirit of Machina. Very, very nice horse who is now a five-year-old, but he's only raced four times, super lightly raced. He beat Forbidden Kingdom back on March 11th. Now, both Spirit of Machina and Forbidden Kingdom have had some, some minor foot issues since. That's why we have not seen them run back since March 11th. But they are the top two headliners in here. Forbidden Kingdom's the one to catch. I do have a hard time giving him the nod over Spirit of Machina when Spirit of Machina, Forbidden Kingdom, in similar circumstances on March the 11th, sat just off him to the outside and won nicely. So the the way I would look at this race, if you're trying to find some value here, I could actually see the, the six maybe getting caught up a little bit with Forbidden Kingdom in a horse from off the pace pouncing. The one that intrigues me the most is positivity. So if you look at him, he went to Dubai last year. He raced there three times, and then we haven't seen him. We, we didn't see him from March of 2022 till April. Showed back up this year in April, a month ago, April 22nd. And actually, that race was not bad. It was in the grade three Kona Gold. He was behind Brickyard Ride, who is a multiple graded stakes winner who's very, very fast. And the runner-up in that race, Anarchist, came back and won a graded stakes race up at Woodbine. So that was a good race. And that was his first start in over a year. His first start coming back from Dubai. He was kind of close up. He was three wide in between horses. He was just behind Brickyard Ride. Then he dropped back a little bit. And he did show some late energy. Now, can we get him back to where he was before Dubai? He's still a five-year-old. Can he take another step or two forward? Because while some of these races may look a little bit light, because they're Calbred races, keep in mind, Brickyard Ride is a horse who is very fast and is a multiple graded stakes winner against open company. Principe Carlo, the horse who won the Cary Grant. This is a horse who's multiple graded stakes placed against open company. He ran huge races in the San Carlos and the Triple Bend last year back-to-back. So I think positivity is a tad sneaky. If he has some of that ability that he had before going to Dubai... Maybe the number, maybe the figure was just a little light last time out. I'm giving him a shot here. Positivity. The number three is 15 to one on the morning line. And then we close out race number nine. 
on the turf course here. It's a mile turf course for maiden 50 claimers. The one is the horse to beat precocious times. The four LTs choice, a little bit interesting to me. You can see that this one's bred pretty well for the turf. Dam was unraced, but the lone sib did win on the turf. And then tried a couple uh, stakes races after that. I would give a look to the nine or the seven, excuse me, paid in gold who watched this uh, race last time out. So we're, we're going to be looking at the number five in the race that paid in gold just watched. And this was her first start on the turf. It was just her second career start. And she was right with the leaders, but she takes back to the inside and you're going to see she ends up having to sit like fourth. So she's right there in between the two soul of a warrior and the seven pretty Reina, but she takes back. So she's not right up battling with them. And then as she takes back, there's a horse to her outside and she kind of, it was almost like she had a hard time once they took her back, getting going again. So she's back to fourth. Then she's back to even farther, like fifth or so, about five lengths off. It looked like she was just done. I thought she was just going to back, be backing up and just kind of back up out of, out of contention. Then all of a sudden, she kind of flips back into another gear. And she moves back into it. She's looking for room down on the inside. There's not a whole ton. She looks for room in between horses. There's not a whole ton. She's kind of shifting around, trying to find space. Then a little bit more space opens up, but she can't quite hit it. And she just sort of gradually keeps grinding. And I, th I thought she ran pretty well. She loses a photo, head bob for second. I'm going to give Peyton Gold a big shot in here. She stretches out. I think they're going to be more forwardly placed with her in her second start on the grass, now going a mile. And I look at the rest of the race. It's just going to be the horses stretching out that you feel like will probably be winging it. I guess I I guess the uh, the five could be close up with the blinkers on. It's a horse who showed a little bit of positional speed last time out, and I'd imagine the blinkers on. They probably want to go. I could see Whirly Girly, you know, just a little closer, but mainly paid in gold stretching out. Get this one really close to the front end. The number seven paid in gold, seven to two on the morning line. Maybe a horse who you build some late exotics around, play a late, uh, any any type of late stuff where I have this one on top. Need around three to one. Don't I don't want to take too much less than that, but maybe a horse who you build around to close some exotics there on Saturday at Santa Anita. Don't forget, folks, that big sale this weekend, the daily racing form sale. It's Memorial Day sale up to 50% off. This goes all the way through Monday. Now, we can take a look at the specifics in the details of this sale. So if you're someone who uses the daily racing form for past performances, this is you because you can get 20% off on the classic or the formulator, the ones that we're looking at here, all the way up to 60 card plans. Save a bunch of money right now. You'll have all these credits and then you just use the use them whenever you want them for you know looking at and playing the races. If you like the clocker reports, these will be very helpful uh, during Delmar and Saratoga. If you like the digital paper, so that's just the, the actual email printout of the form. They'll send you an email of exactly the order of the articles and everything in the daily racing form. And you can get the uh, DRF Plus Pro plan. Everything you need right here. Take advantage of that big Memorial Day sale. Good luck this weekend playing the races at Santa Anita. Best of luck to everyone this weekend at Santa Anita. Now we move from Santa Anita to Louisiana Downs. A couple best bets for Louisiana for Saturday. 
Let's take a look at Saturday, Louisiana Downs. couple best bets for you for May the 27th. So we have an eight-race card on the program for May the 27th for Saturday. Remember that a 17% low takeout on the win place and show there at Louisiana Downs. Shout out to our friends, John McGarry, calling the races. Roxanne doing a great job over there in the paddock and the whole crew at Louisiana. I'm looking at the daily racing forum past performances. Uh, that's always the PPs that I use. I use DRF for all the research, any help that I need. So if you are someone who uses the form, if you purchase past performances, if you use anything from DRF, it's a really good weekend to stock up because they have a huge sale this weekend, a 50% off Memorial Day sale up to 50% off. So different products, different savings, but past performances, picks, clock reports, digital paper, all those have major discounts. So we'll show you all the specifics on those after we handicap a couple races here. Let's look at the opener on Saturday at Louisiana Downs. So we have a $5,000 open claiming race going a mile and 70 yards on the main track. The four was a little bit interesting in here, Joe Boy. So let's look at some of his recent form. So his last few haven't been great, but what can we notice about those races? It didn't seem like he was able to get to the lead and he wasn't able to establish that speed. He's not a consistent horse overall, right? He's three for 34, so he's not a win machine. But we saw him in December last year get to the lead, establish the lead, and win going wire to wire at Delta. Like That effort is really competitive in this field. Now... Last couple races, doesn't get to the lead. But look who's back aboard today, Guerrero. And Guerrero was up for his last two victories. Really seems to get a good feel for this horse. So Joe Boy faced 12-5 restricted claimers last out. So it takes a little drop in class. This is an open race. But the key for me is the second start off a little bit of a break. Had a couple months off. May the 15th. Wasn't able to get to the lead. Now, let's look at the rest of this field. Inside to outside, who is going to be showing early speed in here? One's not really very fast. The two keys included is not very fast. The three, D-Town Baby, is not fast. The five does not seem to have a lot of early speed. The six, I could see this horse sitting a nice trip. And then Meditate is probably the main pace rival. And so for me, what it comes down to, the riders, we know... Jose Guerrero is such a good speed rider. So we could have a situation where he's on a horse, on the lead, second start off the bench. The best races for this horse have come right here at this mile, mile and 70-ish trip. Joe Boy, number four, 12 to one on the morning line. See if we can get it started right off the bat at Louisiana. Proven at Louisiana, proven at the trip. Proven speed in a race that doesn't have a lot of it. Great speed rider aboard. Second start off the short break. That's, for me as a gambler, I, sometimes I'll hear people say, oh, that jockey trainer combo, got to use them. Can't I need more myself. I personally, I can't look down and just use a horse because they have a good jockey and a good trainer. I need four, five, six reasons why I'm going to go and play a horse with my money at a good price, and then they have to be that price. So. You know, when you look around at a bunch of different racetracks and there's so many races all the time, don't feel like you have to be forced to bet every race all the time. Find the ones that you like. This horse may not fire. 
Maybe he doesn't, doesn't show up, but I feel good about the 12 to one ish on this horse. So if I can get for me, the reason why I isolate a horse like this, I look at Joe boy in this race. I think he should be like five to one. So anything over that I'm going to bet him. I'm going to bet him. If he's five to one and above that to me is the value line for Joe boy on Saturday at Louisiana. Let's move to race number six for my second play. Usually we'll have two plays that I find throughout the card. I send them in with a video to the broadcast. If you ever play the races at Louisiana downs. So when they have eight carded, you'll have the pick five that will start in race four, 15% takeout. And then you'll have a late pick four that starts in the fifth race, low 15% takeout. The sixth race will be my play. I'm going to go to the number five in here. Rocket doctor. Sort of the opposite of what we were looking at in race one, where Joe Boy looks like he may have a major pace advantage on the field. I like the fact that Rocket Doctor has proven that he can pass horses in here. Let's look through this field. You have the one skipper who draws the rail after showing speed last time out. I think they'll want to have him forwardly placed. The two Aztec gem is very, very fast. The three Swift Custom, he's going to want to try to keep the two as close as possible. And with Carlos Lozada aboard, he's so good at getting horses out of the gate and getting them forwardly placed. You have a first-time starter in Poppy T. You have Sparkin. It's very quick. This one will want to be forwardly placed. Another first-time starter, so you don't know the running style, really, of the seven. Then you have the eight, who has shown speed and legitimate sprint speed. So we could have the eight, the six, two, three, one, all possibly showing speed. And then the first-time starters. Now, Rocket Doctor was forwardly placed last time out, but they weren't flying in that race at all. It's not as if he was going very quick when he was close to the lead. The race I really liked was the one on August the 13th when he sat, he moved, he finished second that day, and he beat a horse who came back to win their next start. And we can take a look at the barn and how well they do with horses off of a long layoff because that's a concern here, right? Rocket Doctor has not raced since September of 2022, September 13th at Louisiana. But we can see that this is a barn that's done pretty well with this type of layoff. So in a plus 180-day layoff, they've won 10% of their runners, 11 out of uh, 110, certainly able to pop at a price. We can see just earlier this year, Honor Given won off a 244-day layoff at almost 5-1. to one. And then we had Doughboy at almost 3-1 to one win off a 189-day layoff. So a barn that's capable of getting horses ready to rock off the long layoff. The race looks like it should set up well for Rocket Doctor because he can pass horses. But I don't know if it isn't have no speed, right? Enough to maybe just stay within striking range. Those two back-to-back efforts were good. Is he ready to rock? Has he shown some improvement now from two to three? I like the five rocket doctor who is six to one on the morning line there at Louisiana Downs. So a couple plays for you this weekend at Louisiana Downs for the 27th. Let's take a look at the daily racing form sale that we're going to have, uh, coming up all weekend long it's the memorial day sale and here are all the specifics for that you can get 20 percent off of the classic or formulator cards if you're someone who uses a clocker reports 20 percent off a 40 card clocker report 
You can get the DRF picks monthly up to 50% off in the digital paper. If you're someone who likes that form, the way that they set it up with the articles and then the races, they will email that to you each and every month, that digital paper. So take advantage of this sale this weekend, all the way through Monday, up to 50% off past performances, picks, clock reports, digital paper. Good luck at Louisiana Downs on Saturday. Anything sounded a little different is because sometimes I will record some of these segments on social media so I can show the past performances and stuff. Other times I'll just sort of record them with the audio for the the podcast. Let's let's move on to Canterbury for Saturday. Yeah, Canterbury opens up this weekend. They actually have a couple stakes races on Saturday, but I wanted to give out a couple plays there because what I like about Canterbury, they treat the fans and their customers well. They have some of the lowest takeout in the industry, 10% takeout in the pick fours and the pick fives. They were one of the first tracks to do this. So let's give Canterbury a little bit of love. They open up this weekend on Saturday. First post is 6 o'clock, 6.07 Eastern time for race number one. It's a mile on the turf, and that's right where I will start with the number five in there. That is Mashiko. This one is 6-1 to one on the morning line. Last time out, he was a close-up fourth early. He was about two lengths off, and he moved three wide early. But the top two, they just were one-two all the way around, and he ended up finishing a close-up fourth that day. He's just a turf horse. All six of his career victories have been on the turf. He gets back to the turf now, and if you look at some of his races last year, when at Canterbury and at Lone Star, he ran into some tough, tough company. At Lone Star, horses like Fred's Twirl and Candy, uh, Tuts of Revenge, who's like a legitimate stakes horse. It feels like a really nice spot for Mishko. I think I said Mishiko? Mishko? Number five, six to one on the morning line in race one on Saturday over at Canterbury. Then we move to the eighth race at Canterbury. So I have two plays, the first race and the eighth race here. One of them uh, in the eighth race. We're going to go way to the outside with the number 12, Roses by Liam. So he's actually going to be coming back in with Minnesota Breds now after having faced open company over at Tampa. And he was in an open first level allowance race. Honestly, his entire career, he has one bad effort. And it was at Canterbury last year in a stakes race, in a race that sent him to a long layoff. I think it's a really nice spot for him. And he's way outside. He's cutting all the way back to five and a half furlongs. But I expect him to be a little bit more forwardly placed in here. I think they'll try to get aggressive with that outside draw. That's the number 12, Roses by Liam, who is 9-2 on the morning line there. We want to get at least 3-1 to one to make a win wager. So a couple plays for you over at Canterbury on Saturday. We're going to move to Sunday and Monday, give out a couple plays for Louisiana Downs. But before we do, we want to remind you about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Now, Cindy, she can help you with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you need help with home improvement, like gardeners, like landscapers, like painters. Maybe you need help with the loan process. She'll connect you with the right type of lender who will help expedite that process and make your life easier. That's her job. She just wants to help make life easy for you. All of the the tough things you're worrying about when you have to relocate and when you're moving, she takes care of all of that for you. Her website, cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. 
Sunday, Louisiana Downs. Let's take a look at races three and five for my two best plays for Sunday. First post, 3.05 p.m. Eastern time. And in race number three, we're going to look at the number two, Jenny's Big Baby. This is a first-time starter for trainer Jorge Lara. This barn is eight for the last 66 with first-time starters over the last five years. They actually won twice last year at Louisiana, and they have a $3.64 ROI with first-time starters over that 66-horse sample size. It's incredible. The dam of this one, Flawless Gold, won the debut going five furlongs at Delta, was a six-time winner and a multiple-stakes winner who earned 200000 she produced two siblings that have raced. One of them won the debut going five furlongs on the turf and is two for five. There are a lot of things to like about the two Jenny's big baby. Solid pedigree, capable first out barn, local works. Number two, Jenny's big baby, six to one on the morning line. Anything around uh, four or so feels about fair. Race number five, I'm looking at the number seven, Indie Tourist. Comes off of back-to-back really good races at Sam Houston against open first-level allowance company. This is a horse who has some speed but can also sit off and pass. He showed more speed recently, but he's not a need-the-lead type. Last year, when on the turf at Louisiana, he ran into some sharp horses like Tiger Beach, who had won three in a row. Picking Roses won three in a row. Silent Tap was also a really, really strong allowance horse. And More Ice had eight straight top two finishes. Six to one on the morning line for Indy Tourist. If we can get anything over seven to two, we'll make a win wager there. That's Sunday at Louisiana Downs. Best of luck. Let's finish up with some Monday Louisiana Downs. So we're looking at May the 29th. Gonna take a look at races two and five here. Monday's a big Memorial Day racing day, so I'm actually going to have more Monday coverage. Santa Anita, Belmont. So make sure to give us a follow on social media. It's me, Gino B, and come uh, check out more for Monday. But for now, race number two at Louisiana on May the 29th. I'm looking at the number eight in here, Track Queen. This mare's best races by far have been on the turf. She has four races on the grass, a win, two seconds, and a third, all four in the money. This barn has had a great, great start to the meet, and this particular runner is going to go second start off the bench. She did not race from December all the way to May, so she showed back up early in May. She needed that first start. It was on the dirt in a race that was taken off the turf, and she just didn't really fire. Now she gets a chance to go back to the grass, but at least she got some fitness out of the way in that race on May the 8th, where she was just sort of able to, to run around the track and uh, shake off some of the rust. The number eight track queen is six to one on the morning line. Anything over seven to two will make a win wager there. Let's move to race number five. I'm looking at the number six, our perfect princess. Now she can show a little bit of speed, but she can also... Uh, sit and she can also close she's only been on the turf one time and that was going a mile and that was right before a layoff so after that race she went to the bench for a few months she's bred for the turf her dam was a multiple stakes winner on the turf she's a half sibling to a multiple turf winner named commander scott i like the number six our perfect princess she is eight to one on the morning line on monday at louisiana downs Best of luck there at Louisiana. 
little Saturday, Sunday, Monday Louisiana action for you. So that'll do it for the racing portion of this episode. Let's finish things up talking a little bit about wrestling with Chad Cooper. Before we do, we want to let all of you know, are you a fan of fantasy sports? Do you like to play daily fantasy? Do you like to play in contests? Do you like to wager on props? Do you make prop wagers? Check out this new site. It's called thrivefantasy.com. Deposit. Use the promo code GINO. They'll give you a match deposit bonus up to 250 And you can just wager on props on this site. Like If you're in California, you can bet as long as you make a, a parlay of two, at least two props, anywhere from two to five, you can bet parlays for a dollar all the way up to a thousand. And they give you better payouts than you would receive on any other website. Normally when you play parlays, there are minus 115, minus 120 odds uh, when you play props. Now on this site, when you parlay your props, two correct props, 3.2 times your entry. If you hit three of them, 5.2 times your entry. So they're giving you better payouts than you would normally get for parlays. Use that promo code G-I-N-O, thrivefantasy.com. Let's finish up this week wrestling with Chad Cooper. We have three big pay-per-views to preview. First on Saturday, Night of Champions. Then on Sunday, NXT Battleground. And then AEW Double or Nothing. So WWE Night of Champions, NXT Battleground, AEW Double or Nothing. We preview all the matches for all three big shows coming up this weekend. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Oh, it's time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. We have 23 matches carded on three different shows coming up over Saturday and Sunday. WWE Night Champions, NXT Battleground, AEW, Double or Nothing. Chad Cooper joins us as he does each and every week to talk about everything going on in the world of wrestling. Cooper, my man, how are things going on your end? It's going, sir, as we uh, head into a big a weekend of professional wrestling, Memorial Day weekend, uh, a little horse racing, a little baseball, all kind of stuff. But I, I, I didn't put all three cards together and think we would have 23. So you mean to tell me it's not all 23 for AEW? No, AEW does okay. have the uh, the big number so far okay. with nine, with nine, okay. I believe, carded <laughs> We, uh, we have all three shows coming up this weekend, and the first one of them will be for WWE, and that's going to be on Saturday. That's actually going to be early in the day, Night of Champions, more like Day of Champions, really, is what it yeah. is, is, what it is uh, for those of us watching here in the U.S., because this show is going to be coming from Saudi Arabia, and so what we'll do is we'll just sort of go through the card, and we can talk about you know what, what has happened in the last couple of weeks and building up for this. Seven matches listed for Night of Champions, Coop. And they're billing it as a triple main event. A triple main event. It reminds <laughs> me. Uh, I know. I, I, it reminds me. I, the one that, that stands out to me was the, um, there was the 1990 SummerSlam where we had Hulk Hogan versus Earthquake and Ultimate Warrior versus Rick Rude. Oh, yeah. 
That yeah. was that was billed as a double main event. Um, I think we had WrestleMania 8, 1992, Hulk Hogan versus Psycho Sid and Macho Man versus Ric Flair for the championship. Ooh. That was Ooh, wow. billed as a double main event. I love when they when they use the title. I'm always or like when they use the double main event, triple yeah, main yeah. event. I'm yeah. always curious. And those are the ones that I remember specifically happening. But on paper, the show looks very good. We have three women's matches that are carded. The the real big main main part of the show. I say main part because I actually don't know if it's going to be the main event. I don't know if for AEW, their world championship is going to be the main event for the first time. It might be, but it doesn't feel like the most overmatch in AEW. For WWE, they could do any one of Rollins, AJ, Cody, Brock, or KO, Sammy versus the versus Roman and Solo as a main event. And I think any one of them would be fine in that spot. But let's talk about the tournament championship they created this new world heavyweight title because Roman's not around all the time. And I think now I can we can say that since WrestleMania, we've had a little time to see. I don't think it was the right decision to keep the belt on Roman just based on kind of how they've told this story. Now, I know they have a lot of story told. I don't know if Roman needed the title for this, and I think it may have been better on Cody, but... It's not as if what they're doing with Cody is bad, and now they're getting back into stuff with Roman that makes sense. It it just sort of was like, oh, let's give Roman about a, a month or six weeks off, and Cody got right into it with Brock. The Cody-Brock stuff is fine, and the the Roman stuff now, and I, I think can't, uh, Sammy and KO feel a little bit hotter now than they did for a little while with the bloodline here. So I like the way they built all three. Let's go one at a time, Koopa Loop. Who wins the tournament championship final? Love the presentation this week with the video packages for Seth. He's got to win this the way they presented it because he they did such a fantastic job of making him seem like a real person again, along with the goofy, crazy guy that the crowd likes to sing along with. <clears throat> yeah, these, these sit-down interviews with Corey Graves have been really, really good. I I mean, anytime Seth Rollins does any type of mic, mic work, it's been outstanding. And this quest uh, through this tournament, which, by the way, I think it's done uh, very, very well for WWE. Sometimes they, they mean well when they put together tournaments and they don't end up being uh, as good as what it is on paper. I think this one's been uh, very, very well put together. It's been well received. I think the right person uh, is representing Raw. I do believe the right person, uh, you can have an argument uh, or two for about a couple of, of gentlemen on the SmackDown side, uh, but I do think AJ Styles was the right person to represent uh, SmackDown. Yeah, I, I'm I, I'm 100% uh, Seth Rollins here. Um, I was able to find some, some opening guides from some offshore books, and... Uh, I think they agree with our assessments. Uh, Seth Rollins opened up as a minus 800 favorite over AJ Styles, meaning uh, those are not uh, first time listening us talk about odds in professional wrestling. Uh, when you have a minus in front of your name, you're the favorite. And the the lower, as in minus 800, 900,000, the higher you go is uh, uh, the stronger the favorite. He's a strong favorite here. <clears throat> and I think with him win it, 
It brings legitimacy back to this new title. Not that AJ Styles wouldn't do it, but he would have to cross back over and come over to Raw. So that, you know, that uh, that draft wouldn't make sense, even though, hey, if you win a championship, you can't help that you won a championship. So you got to go to Raw. So it wouldn't be that much of a, a, a confusing aspect to this match. But I, I think it's it's Rollins. The promos he's been able to give, uh, which they, you know, Graves put it out there. What do you think about Roman Reigns? You know, there's always talk about what are we doing next year for WrestleMania already. It's, you know, look, the night after WrestleMania won during the press conferences, everyone was talking about, well, what happens next year at WrestleMania? And so the door is left open for a lot of different cases. And I'm not saying Seth Rollins is going to hold this championship belt all the way then. And I'm not saying he's going to face Roman Reigns all the way then. But, if you know, Roman could be in a main event at WrestleMania without his titles and face Seth Rollins for this title at, at WrestleMania. Or the two could, could go at it with that titles. But I expect this to be a really, really solid match. The, the only question I have now is, Gino is since it as built it is billed as a a triple main event where does this one where is this one on the card one uh, you know uh, one of these matches uh, won't get the time of the other two and i think you one of them's got to open right you, is that right. what you just do do you open middle and close yeah i i think you open with aj and seth rollins here and you open the show with a bang with with seth rollins winning this new uh this new championship yeah i really do think that you know, th- the since they created this title, a lot of people had said, "Oh, this is a this is a B title, and sure. this sure. is um this isn't as good as Roman's title." And and yeah, obviously Roman has the, the the main championship, and nobody's defeated him for it yet. But if there was going to be one person that hasn't lost to Roman Reigns, is what he said. It was Seth Rollins. He didn't lose to Roman. He's the only one that you could actually legitimately put on the level. If you put him in a match with Roman right now, probably of all the guys on the main roster, it'd probably be Seth and Cody are the only ones that you really think could beat Roman Reigns. And before Cody, I mean, the last couple years, Roman was just running through people. Like, there wasn't even anyone that seemed legitimate for him. Drew, maybe at Clash of the, Cha- at the, Clash of the Castle, but they've done a really good job of... Not making Seth look weak, even though he lost a lot of matches. Like he lost matches. He did. He did. To That's Cody. a good point. He did. He lost matches to Theory, but it wasn't ever really clean. He he was involved with Lashley and Riddle, and there were a lot of feuds that he didn't win every match, but he still sort of feels like someone. If you if you stood him in the ring with Roman, and just threw the microphone out there because of their past, because of their history, because Seth has actually beat Roman, because we don't. We don't have the visual of Roman pinning Seth. Right. That right. That's a big deal, right? Just just it's that. So deal. however this goes, I think Seth is the right call because I do think – I just envision Seth having a – like coming on to Monday Night Raw and then all of a sudden you have – immediately I could see him in a month doing matches with all of the Judgment Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Dominic defend the title, then Finn, then Priest. Like three in a row, like great, great 15, 20 minute TV segments, like really good stuff for TV. And with someone like Seth, I think you can do that. Like Seth can be the worker champion that's doing it all the time. And you're and you're going to be in an uh, in a in a different setting, an interesting crowd. Uh, just imagine if Seth and AJ is in Chicago or Houston 
or Los Angeles or Las Vegas or Boston or Miami. I mean, who does the crowd really go for um, for these two? And look, AJ Styles has always been one of my favorites. I, I was a one of the reasons why I watched what was it, Spike TV uh, when yeah. Impact uh, joined. I, the, one of the main reasons why I watched TNA Impact uh, was because of AJ Styles. Um, I, I, you know, he's from the South. I'm from the South. I had this connection with him. You, were you a fan he, of Claire Lynch? <laughs> yeah. AJ, yeah. Uh, this is my baby, yeah. AJ. I don't know. That was a thousand. That That's so great. Awful. Uh, that so you great. know, he has this. He has this Southern twang, right? And he's really, really good in the ring, and he's undersized. But he was always putting together these fantastic matches, whether it was for the TNA World Title or the uh, the X Division Championship. The guy is just legitimate at everything he does. But at the end of the day here, when Monday Night Raw comes on this Monday night and we're back in the United States live, do you want to kick off the show with AJ Styles coming out with that belt? Uh, we don't know if he's a heel or not. He's kind of with, you know, his his boys again. Or do you want Seth freaking Rollins has, as hot as he's been? And look, you brought it up. He's had some losses and he's had some weird moments over the last year. But fast forward to right now, you don't even think it's, about that. With I know, him, right? It, that's it, how hot that's, this guy is. It's it honestly, it's like when when we when you handicap a horse race sometimes, and there's a horse that you just really really like, but yeah, you feel yeah. like maybe they're coming off a long layoff and they need a race, right? Sure, or maybe sure. maybe they're like a closer in a race where there's not that much speed. I love AJ. I, I, yeah, you know, yeah. AJ's been treated yeah. really well since he's come over, which was something a lot of people were worried about. Is Vince McMahon and his WWE gonna gonna treat this guy well when he was a, like a long a lifer on the indies, basically, and a TNA guy? And they did. They he's he's been treated well. I actually think he could still have been even treated better recently. Like I still think you could have him even higher up on the card. But right now, it just feels like this this belt really almost feels like it was created for Seth. Oh yeah, just yeah, the I way Triple H said it. We want the guy who's here all the time, the workhorse, the guy who's at night in, night out. It just, it feels like this is the Seth freaking Rollins title. Seth Rollins. Well, I don't you think a twenty-minute match here, 15, 20 minute match? I absolutely. Mean, you got to remember this is this is the match for this 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 is going to be the first ever winner. That's why I think this thing kicks this show off. I'm not expecting Brock Cody now to go long at all. Uh, Roman's your main event guy. I think this opens the 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 show. We get Seth freaking Rollins in a war, a twenty minute match. Um, that just you, you got to remember, we're watching it over here. You know, in your instance, you know, before noon, mm-hmm. um, early morning. So I, I I think this I think this opens up, and man, we we get uh, we get a, a hell of a start here in in a new champion. I'm I'm excited about this match. Of all of them, there's some there's some matches I have interested in, interest in, valid interest in. But man, Seth Rollins is is always been a, a favorite of mine, and uh, th- this would be a great spot for him and a good opportunity for him to win this title. So Cody Brock, we we saw Cody get injured the other day. He had the heart to heart with Triple H. Um, oh, it was so great the ending, right? That Just was funny. Words, it's so damn good. That was funny, but it was good. Like that's the thing. I there are times where I feel like when Cody starts starts. That I'm gonna roll my eyes at what he's about to say, like oh no here, and I never do, like I never do. He's so good at be getting his point across, at conveying it, at the tone, the cadence, all of the stuff. 
like all of the bells and whistles, all of the pro wrestling things, and then just how he words his promos and what, and you believe him because it doesn't really feel like he's BSing you. You know Cody and you know him off screen, and then you're like, ah, you know, that's just how he is. And yeah, Yeah. I, I, because with the baby, we talk about all the time with baby faces in this day and age, it's really hard to be like a good baby face if you're just a squeaky clean good guy or a good girl. People don't like it's not that's not that interesting, you know, because we'll talk about Roxanne. I do do that with Roxanne sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's Which, a good point. But she, and she's great. Like she is great and she's going to be great. But there are some times where I'm like. Oh my goodness, the ribbon in the hair and just like really leaning into all of this and just and Booker's out there like she's a, a she's a model for young <laughs> women like screaming, you know. I just I'm I'm a little worried. Yeah. <laughs> but um I, do we have Brock go over here to set up a third one that Cody wins or how do you think this plays out? Well, interesting uh yeah, what's uh, you know, you feel bad for for Ali, but uh, it was, I, I, I'm not going to laugh. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I busted out laughing on Monday night raw, the segment Ali's getting his moment in the sun and Brock just comes rolling through and looks at, you know, looks at him, get a life kid. And he just <laughs> goes up to the ring and I'm like, only Brock Lesnar can get away with this. Right. Only Brock Lesnar. Um, is the only thing that could work well for Ollie. And we talked about Ollie who's we can mention him quick. Cause he's on the show too with Gunther. He's in the IC title match. If he gets destroyed or, or even, even if he has like a, a match, legitimate match and they don't want it to be a squash. Cause Ollie can go right. Sure, like sure. He, he can go. So if they want him to go 10 minutes with Gunther and, and you know, then Gunther gets the win. That's fine. It, it, so I, I can't remember where I heard it. I wish I would credit them. They said he's got to come out on Monday after the loss, though, and be negatively, negatively instead of positively <laughs> and sort of do like the Corbin gimmick. You know, he's just so dejected now that everything's negative instead of being the positively like yeah, character. I, I like thought that, that was I, I like thought that. that was pretty funny. So, yeah, he, I like that. Do you, like do you that. think he gets a few minutes or do you think he gets is, is that a squash? Well, uh, I'll talk about Ali first, and then I, I'll get back to Brock Lesnar because yeah. I, I think it's pretty obvious where I'm going with with that, um, and I think you are too. Um, you know, when you start reading into things and listening to people, a, a lot of Twitter marks can convince you, not just pro wrestling, they could put you on a horse that is 0 for 25 and is starting in the Kentucky Derby, and there's a, a contingent out there that will tell you this horse is the one to bet and he will win. This is going to happen. There's these dirt sheets that just make stuff up and somebody retweets them. And there was a little hook there that I thought, and, and I mentioned it last week about Gunther, you know, because this guy is so ready to be in that main event picture. But how are they going to get him there with his, uh, with this title, with this intercontinental title? I thought, okay, Ali goes over, uh, over at Saudi Arabia. People go wild. I had to get out of that real quick. I had to snap out of it. And then I saw the opening odds and Guther's like minus 5,000. And I've never even seen that ever. When Ronda Rousey was destroying everyone in the UFC, I, oh it was gosh. rarely you would yeah. see minus 1,500. But this is this is an absolute laugher here. This would be a shock to me if yeah, I can't. Won. It just doesn't make sense. I, I don't even know if he gets a few minutes because do you – does it make Guther look weak? If yeah, I don't the know. Match goes five or ten minutes. I really, you know? I, if you told me that it went ten, and that 
it was a good wrestling match. They had Ali have a couple hope spots. And Guther kind of just like toyed with like, him and beat yeah. him up and then pulled up the old heel shoulder pin on the two count. And then and know? then there's a couple moments where Ali gets the better of yeah. him, right? Because of that. that. I, I can see, see that. that. But if you told me that they that Gunther like what we saw with Brock and Ricochet in Saudi Arabia, right? That was like Ricochet had a world title match against Brock Lesnar, for those of you who forget, in Saudi Arabia, and it was an absolute squash. Like, he literally just threw him around the ring. If we got that, it wouldn't surprise me either. No, I mean, we're not no. – it's just we're not getting the Mustafa win. It's supposed to be the here. Kofi run or the yeah, Kofi yeah, run, he right? Yeah, he was supposed to be – like, that's not happening here at this moment. I don't know if it's a bad thing that he gets this match, no, right? No, hey, you're going up against so, Guther on, on a massive show. This is this is basically, I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to get some heat for this, but this is kind of like WrestleMania 2.0. These Saudi shows are big, man. They're, oh, and they're, especially they're well attended. They're, they're yep. massive. Yeah, I was going to say, especially for some of the people that it's not far from home. If you're someone sure. there where you have, you know, you're going to be getting a like a really nice support base like we saw for with Zelina Vega in Puerto Rico or like we see when we go to to any place and some one who's from that state country close to that area usually gets really well supported we can finish up with Cody Brock i yeah. i think the way yeah, they were yeah. playing it out right Did that, i i could see and just because the way that first one ended was kind of a a, fl- a little fluky with the roll up. I could see this one being a Brock win, and then Cody coming back and saying, "I have to, I have to do this. I have to really beat you. I have to end this with you." And that kind of puts them off on a tangent for a few months. Um, I think I would go Brock here. Yeah, let's just take a look at quickly the. Uh, let's just go. If you've never really watched a whole bunch of this uh, storyline here. And you see a man that goes in and he's wounded. And uh, throughout the show, we're hearing broken arm, broken arm. The show ends with Triple H saying, man, you just this ain't going to work. Cody's going to come out fighting. But a way to protect Cody is, a, I mean, if you lose to Brock Lesnar, that I mean, it's really basically a feather and a cap. You get to work with Brock Lesnar, who's going to go down as one of the best all-time professional athletes in our generation, because the guy could do so much. Um, what's a little interesting here, here was two weeks ago, Cody Rhodes was a slim favorite here um, for this matchup. And as things progress now, Brock Lesnar's taken over uh, as being the favorite. It's not a heavy favorite. It, he's minus 200. Um, I, I wouldn't let that, I wouldn't let that swerve you at all to think that Cody's going to win here. I, I just don't think that, Cody's got a fighting chance, but with a bum arm, this is a legitimate chance for him to take a loss and be okay. Hey, Cody comes out Monday. He could there, play the cast. There, there, this isn't a stip match, right? This is still just no, a regular this match. Just, yeah. This could, is just do we, could up. we get a Brock just beat the crap out of him? And in that's a DQ? what I want. That's right? what that, I want. Me too. I, I wouldn't too. mind a DQ. Me yeah, neither. Like if Brock just says, screw it, starts putting him through tables, referees chair, are trying to call chair. him off. Yeah. And then they like, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to do it because I still don't I, – I, I understand that they want to extend this, but I don't know if you want Cody to look bad, and I don't know if you want Brock to get beat like this when Cody is already dealing with an injury and he's weakened. So that's the best way to tell this story. Even if Cody wins by DQ, 
because Brock beats him, but Cody's getting wheeled out on a stretcher. Yeah, and that's what I want. Even if Brock wins and it's not a DQ, uh, you know, somebody throwing in the towel, does Triple H come out and throw in the towel? He had the little segment with there with Official him stoppage. You know, official stuff. Adam Pierce, does Brandy Rhodes get involved and come out? You know, she was tweeting, you know, during the night that her heart was being broken. Uh, she was seeing uh, seeing her husband and the and the father of her children, her child, just get pummeled by Brock Lesnar. I just think, I, I think this is your, yes, the triple main event. This is your middle of the card squash. And I think Brock just destroys him. And we go into SummerSlam with... Uh, uh, with 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 Brock Cody. Now, what's interesting is if that goes into SummerSlam, you know, this Monday night, didn't they announce that we've got the Money in the Bank briefcase qualifying matches? Uh, that takes Cody out of that equation. Uh, there was. I think that. Weeks- I think you want to do that. I do. Yeah, oh, I yeah, think you take because yeah. you don't. Again, like we've said, you don't need Cody in the Money in the Bank to win that briefcase the and then Lester. waste A it. A Royal Rumble, sure, but the briefcase match, no. No, no. you don't. You don't. No. And, and I think Cody said a couple of weeks ago, you know, uh, after one of the brawls, um, he said, hey, look, if I can't beat, if I can't conquer Brock Lesnar, I don't need to be going after any world championship. Now, I think that's going to be your 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 key moment heading into SummerSlam. Now, I'm not saying this so is what's be- what's next money in the banks next. Right. Money in the bank is next because the qualifying matches begin on Monday on Raw. There's a handful of them on Monday, and then there'll be a handful of them next Friday. Not this Friday, but next Friday as we get ready for that. So, um, Okay, I, Okay. so we've got Money in the Bank, which is scheduled for July 1st in England. And then we have oh, wow. Summer, uh, SummerSlam, which is scheduled for August the 5th. Okay. Is that so your are, SummerSlam at this year? Is it yeah, in, Ford Field, Detroit. Ford Field's in Detroit. That's right. It's already sold out. So, yeah, I don't know heading into Detroit if this is that's going to hang over Cody in the Brock match, you know, because it will be the third and final installment. But if we do get there, you know, it's going to have to be built over something. That'll be a long summer with these two. You know, Brock's not going to be on Raw every Monday night. Uh, so this, this is going to be an interesting way um, – see how this unfolds over the summer because uh, I, I, I think if Brock goes over here, you're going to have to do a third one and you're not going to do it at Money in the Bank. You're going to do it at SummerSlam. Man, um, yeah, I think I agree. I think you could, because if if you play this right, maybe you have Cody out for the next month. I think he shows up on Raw here with, 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 uh, with injured. Him. Yeah, absolutely. I like and that. And you sell yeah, it for a month. You have you have this new champion for that for right now that could be fresh that could just sort of help you for the next month of Raw, right? To where maybe you don't need Cody quite as much. He can sell this story. Cody shows back up at Money in the Bank or after Money in the Bank. Let's say Brock's in the match or something. Cody comes in. I, something where Cody. Let's us know he's healthy, and then it's Cody Brock for their fin- their finale at SummerSlam. I could see that. Yeah, um, yeah I like that too. Let's uh, let's get to KO and Sammy versus the Bloodline, Roman and Solo. They're not going to do this with Roman, right? They're not <laughs> going to do this with Roman. They're not going to put that title on him and then force us to create other tag team titles because Roman's not around anymore the same way that we had to do it with the world title. The stories here make sense. I 
I feel like this, like, wouldn't this be better? How much better this would be if Roman didn't have the belt and he was with solo and they were going for the tag titles. And Roman was like starting to get anxious and I need, we need a belt. We need the title for the bloodline and this and that. I just, I would feel that a little, a little bit more, but I, I start feeling like, are we going to get to like a Roman, Roman four belt, <laughs> Roman four belts, but are we going to get to like a Roman Cody or a Roman Sammy KO triple threat? Uh, this, this is intriguing. Uh, last after week. this, right? Like after yeah. this, are they almost teasing that they kind of tease the same thing with Gunther, but I, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It just, I, I, I don't want to see Roman win this. No, it's intriguing. Roman. Last week on this show, I, I was hell bent on Roman's winning this thing. Um, he's going to have four belts. If you take, if you step back and take a look at it, uh, objectively, okay. If he, if he and solo do win these titles, uh, they're not going to defend it very often. Right. Unless Roman just becomes this two times a month wrestler for the tag titles. And then you lock up his main two titles, his undisputed world title or universal championship, even more. It is intriguing if they do, because there's the Usos, I, I don't know what it would do for them. I think it would really, really damage KO and Sami Zayn. Completely I agree. Think, I, I think this wipes off the, the WrestleMania run. The Usos got to screw them out of winning this title, right? Yeah. They got to be try to get involved and it backfires. And then we end up getting Roman and Solo versus the Usos. Now, <laughs> now the, the my question to you is... Uh, now, Sammy and KO are your favorites. They are minus 400. They got to win this thing. They got to win this Now, thing. is this a clean go over on Solo? Usos are involved. Uh, you, can, you can't end this pay-per-view with a DQ, can you? No, no. It's not a DQ. I think it's a clean go over with the Usos screwing them. Okay. And then Roman getting furious. Man, it would be great if Roman got pinned. It would be oh, great. Be fantastic. I don't, I don't think they will, but, but just in a tag match, it would be great. If it happened and then Roman, just the look on his face with the Usos, that that would be great. So that's what's weird is that if this main events too, KO and Sammy are winning. Yes. Right. Like if we find out this is the main event, if you know, because Seth can be the main event and Seth can win. I don't think they would want the Cody Brock to main event because like we're saying that that doesn't feel like it's just going to be a clean Cody win. So curious there. The other matches uh, on the card, the other three, are the women's matches. Bianca, Asuka. This one just kind of came out of nowhere. You know, it, um, this was the, the WrestleMania match. It was weird because they bring Asuka back. Then they didn't really want to go full heel with her before the WrestleMania match. And now they're finally going full heel with her, which at least if they would have done this before the WrestleMania match, I think we would have all felt a little bit better about just the heel versus face dynamic of it. It was just, oh, two really great wrestlers who have no buildup and no storyline. Again, though, it, it's it kind of got pushed on us here and then quickly right back to a title match. Like, I don't know if she's winning the title in this spot. Yeah, you know, this is this has been bizarre for both, right? There, there's, let's look, uh, for those who, and there's plenty of them out there, just when you think no one's listening, which they're not, uh, which they are listening, believe me, uh, your uh, your audience, whether they're lovers of Gino or 
or haters. They're, they're watching and listening. I'll they're tell you, they're, there. they're vocal. They're out there. They're vocal. Um, for all those who say it's it's all negative for AEW and all positive for WWE, uh, we've been saying for a while now. Uh, Bianca has felt like they don't. I don't know what they've known what to do with her. Um, th- this and this Oscar. Um, we were supposed to have a good WrestleMania moment. It wasn't booked properly. Asuka was supposed to go back to her heel persona that we remember her back in her overseas days. That lasted, I think, one week, right? Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't. I, I don't think there's a there's a there's a title change here. Um, no. I, I don't. I, I, I don't, don't mind. I like the heel ish Asuka fine right now. Oh, one hundred percent. I would. I'm fine with it with like the Kabuki type. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Totally fine with it. It just does it. It feels like it's just a little too quick. I actually could see this one being a DQ. Yeah, Oscar uh, miss and, and, and in the this, face. And this gets settled. At, yeah, and this could get settled at Money in the Bank to give them yeah. more time to build. Bianca's yeah. a minus two fifty favorite. Uh, it's pretty solid in in wrestle, professional wrestling. Um, I, now I do hope these ladies get some time to work this match. Yeah, you know I, I don't want some. It get, it gets because uh, there may be a match or two. It could be. Uh, Trish and Becky that could be uh, uh, it could get cut because something goes a, a little over. I'd like to see these two ladies just go at it in a really good wrestling match because they both deserve it. Again, I'm going to say it as we say it every week, Gino. If we're not going to get the Street Profits to turn heel, damn it, we want Bianca to turn heel. Okay, Please. I don't know when, you know, I'm sounding like one of the other two guys in our group who, who get angry o- over certain things, right? AC, 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 I just, uh, I- I'd love to see a Bianca Hill. Uh, the problem is, again, she's like Liv. She's super popular with the crowd and she sells tons of merchandise. But you know what? You know, Bailey was able to do it. Bailey was able to do it and it worked out. Uh, don't know if we'll ever see it here, maybe. Uh, but I hope these two ladies do uh, a pretty good match here because the buildup has been less than spectacular. It has not been very good. At no. All. It's not. And Rhea Natty is more of, I think we're at the point for Rhea where she's just going to start stacking some wins, you know, for a while. And Natty is generally someone who is a good a good opponent to just kind of put on put on your list of opponents you beat. Um, if we all feel bad for Natty because I think if she comes in a few years later, I feel like she's treated way differently. You know, yeah, she was sort yeah. of ahead of her time because she was a good wrestler when they didn't want the women to be good wrestlers. They wanted them to be more of like models, you know, and divas. Yeah, now, yeah. now, unfortunately, she's been around for so long. She's basically Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> that you know what? That's good. That's good. right. Like. You you can put her anywhere, but I, she's she's so underrated. I I feel bad for them for like those two because in a different time in a different universe, like they're the some of the biggest stars in the division. Like you're telling me Natty couldn't just have amazing matches all the time with all these women if she was just presented differently or if we thought of her a little differently than we do. No. Same thing with Dolph. Like, yeah, Dol- like I see Dolph out there and thing. I'm like, yeah, man, Dolph, like Dolph could absolutely be main eventing WrestleManias. Like, yeah, I was the, remember he was the world. Remember, remember him and uh, uh, 
what was uh what was CM Punk's wife's name uh in WWE? Marie uh AJ. A- A- AJ uh, yeah. remember that faction, he's the world Vi- champion, then yep. he's the intercontinental champion, the dude can go. And the same yep. has been for Natalie. I think actually I, I he had I, the concussion and that hurt him, right? That I think yeah, that's what would hurt him like right when he was was really going and then yeah. unfortunately like even if you even when him and Miz had the IC feud. Well, that was like awesome on SmackDown. It was, it was, it was really, really good, good stuff. They yeah. elevated him up and he was facing uh Dean Ambrose for the world title at yeah. I think at SummerSlam or one of the matches, but um you know, Ziggler, Natty there's sort of that Spider-Man meme pointing yeah, at each it, other. Right? Yeah, and for us, and, and no offense here, uh, because I, I'm wouldn't able, I'm not able to do any better. I, I could probably say oh, I could do better than that, but I'm not as, as as good as she is in the ring and the DNA of wrestling and what she's been able to do and brought up. And you and you and you you explained it perfectly. I, I think she was ahead of her time. Um, if this was Natty in the business three, four, five years instead of fifteen or twenty. You got to remember she's been around a long time. For as good as she's been like, in the take, ring, take her and we don't know her, and then just plop her in NXT right now. Sure, and I thought right. I thought that's what was going to do. Remember she you know, showed you, up you, on you, there and beat up right. Cor- or save Cora Jade or read her or beat yeah. her up or or something like that. But the one thing that's really I think has really hurt Natalia is her promo. You don't know if she comes 100%. out, she seems lifeless. Hundred percent. She comes in, and she comes And into that's the, the difference between her and Dolph there is that Dolph can get okay. you He's a, a better promo. Now. <laughs> yeah, like Dolph can be more entertaining and get you a, a better promo than Natty can. Nat you know what's funny? Natty kind of is like how Brett was as a promo. That's a very when he was good a baby point. face. That's you know a what good I mean? Point. It's yeah, sort of yeah. like how it was sort of that like Ricky the Dragon steamboat where you're 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 just not like electric, right? I'll you're not you, like Steamboat could never cut a promo. No, but They're but like horrible. they just because they they just sort of talk about what's going to happen. That's it, right? Yeah. They don't make it bigger than it is. It's just, hey, I'm a really good wrestler, and I'm going to come after yeah. you. And this like, Friday night in Houston, that. I'm walking out of the the summit yeah. as the there's World the one there's one to you there that that uh and and what's funny about that is Brett. Went from like I think for both of them, you know, it's funny. Like you were saying, they were really bad, but you didn't really notice it because they like they didn't try to BS you for the most part. Like they just sort of said what was going to happen. And then when Brett got to the heel, he was amazing. Like when he was in '97 doing the uh, the you know the team is, Canada, yes. like that was yes. some of his just amazing now stuff. Now look, now it, it, as quote unquote as bad as Brett was on the mic, he got really really good. He did. I, I mean, just the th- I, I remember them coming to Beaumont and doing a Raw, and uh, it was the night after a big pay-per-view, and he quit. He just jumped the rail. That was in Beaumont, Texas. He just told Vince McMahon he quit. I, you feel bad for Natalia because she just got thrown into this basically out of, out of nowhere. nowhere. WWE, again, here's another negative. WWE is notorious for doing this. It's not an in-between feud. It's a, hey, we've got a... A, a pay-per-view or we've got an event coming up next Saturday. We need somebody for Rhea. Rhea can't lose. She's on fire. Oh, here's Natalia. Oh, here's Carmella. You know, and, and you just feel bad for her because after next week or after this weekend, you won't see her again. Now, hopefully we'll see her in the money in the bank. You know, she would be a great contender and she may be great. I, I, I would, I could see 
her winning a money in the bank contract match, she would be somebody who could do it. Cause then you could relish if she ever, you know, uh, cashed it in, but she's always put in a situation is where she gets put in this match. And then you don't see her for another three or four months again. That's, that's the only downfall with that Natalia here. And I don't think they're doing it on purpose. It's just, no, they just don't just really know what to do with her. Man. It's just a yeah. numbers thing. And it's unfortunate. Look, look what I, ends up happening, I, Chad, with these people, with, with the, the, the people like, Natty and like Dolph, it's one of these weird things where you're at you're at a high enough level and like you're so good at what you can do that they become so comfortable with you that they know they can just put you anywhere at any time. So they don't really do anything for you. Right. Like you get you get sort of penalized for being like the best substitute teacher ever. They're like, we're just going to make sure you're a sub and you're never going to get your own class. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of like that because yeah. we, we yeah. don't see them get storylines anymore. No, you, you no. see them show up inserted in things, but never a storyline. No. And that's unfortunate. And you've got NXT call ups uh, coming up. And uh, it just seems like a lot of these a lot of these ladies are not getting their break unless someone goes down with a major injury. And uh, I talked about Guther being minus five thousand. Uh, let me tell you what Rhea Ripley is, so you can laugh at this one. Minus ten thousand. Um, yeah, it, it, look, look, I'm not into calling best bets. Like, uh, you know, some racetrack announcers will see a two to five. Uh, this is my best bet of the night. You know, I, I, you just stay away from stuff like this. But yeah. you and I both know, and I think most of the universe knows that Rhea Ripley's not losing her title here. But you know what? I think we'll have a pretty decent match here. This is probably not going to go too long, but I think you got two ladies that are going to beat the hell out of each other. They're really strong based, uh, well-trained, uh, very aggressive. Uh, I think this will be a hard hitting match for, for these two. I just hope it, uh, it, it's, it, it's not one of those matches that some of its time gets cut, but I don't see it going very long. Do you? No, I, I, I don't. Yeah. Uh, Becky Trish. It feels just sort of like we're starting here. I think we're going to keep going with this a little bit more. I don't yeah. think this is like the final match for the two of them. So I don't, I, I, I have a hard, I, I could actually see Trish getting like a cheap win here. Like, and, and setting up for another money in the bank. And then even something at SummerSlam for these two. I just don't, because Becky's going to get a crazy response probably in London, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is interesting here. Uh, you nailed it perfectly last week. And I think we you even talked about it even before that when, when Trish turned, which is what we wanted to see happen. We thought Lita may be the one turning, but it was Trish. Because um, I think Lita has a legit injury, what have you. Ah, people don't know what to do because Trish has just been this beloved superstar for all these years in the WWE. She's done no wrong. And then she even turns on Becky, the man. Then you have this promo Monday night, and God darn it, Becky brings up Trish having to bark like a dog for Vince McMahon. And I remember those. That was funny. I'm glad she brought that up, though. It's just funny because, yes, I do remember that. That was – remember they making out in front of Linda right there? He just, like, tonguing Trish, and Linda's just sitting right there. I, I, I do too. I, I no, I don't think this is the end of it. Um I, I, I don't know here. Um Trish is the favorite, minus four hundred, but this is the type of match that you could see a heavy favorite uh get upset. 
a quick roll up. Now, I think you and I both can agree that this match is probably not going to go 15 or 20 minutes. No. Um, I, Trisha's, I, going back to Trisha's resume, I don't know if she's ever, and take nothing away from her. She's, uh, she's magnificent. I, I just don't know if she wants to go. I don't know if you need this match to even go 10 minutes here. No, not if it's you, not if it's the first either, no, right? If no. you're going to build to something, because you're right. I mean, I I don't think I, I it it doesn't really make sense. This is more where like the cheap heel gets sort of a cheap win. Becky's furious, and it leads to Becky ultimately getting her comeuppance. Right, and uh, if all if you know we're talking about DQs, this would this would fit perfectly. Um, or I could see Becky getting the win. I, I, I think either way, whatever happens, uh, I think we'll get another payoff down the line. Now it'll be interesting to see when the payoff is, because there's a lot of rumors that Trish is going to be in this money in the bank qualifying uh, tournament here. So um, it's intriguing. There are a lot of a lot of interesting matches on this night of champions. Uh, this has no title implications, this match, but this is one of the ones I do want to see just to see where they go with it with storyline at how the match finishes and unfolds. Let's move along to NXT. The one, the one promo that I remember of Ricky, the, <laughs> Ricky the Dragon. The one that I always remember is the WrestleMania three one, and it was, I think it was like four, 45 seconds. It wasn't like it was big long, but it, he, um, he says, "Savage, the seconds, the minutes, we have reached our moment." It was just some like little, but I just remember and feel like when I hear that. And the way that that match was and holds up all these years later, they play that part of the clip like in video packages all the time, you know, of him saying that savage, the seconds, (laughs) the minutes we have reached our moment. And then they start showing all the clips from the match, which is one of the five greatest WWE matches of uh, of all time. So uh, shout out to Ricky. He wasn't the greatest on the mic, but he still had a good few here or there that he could, uh, he could get you into the arena. Battleground. Sunday. We got a double header on Sunday. We got Battleground. Yeah, we We've got AEW in, uh, on the Battleground show. I was really surprised with what they did with the women's tournament getting here. They sort of put themselves in a weird spot because they had so many legitimate contenders that it would, it was always going to feel like there was one or two that like should have been in the championship that weren't or should have been in the final that weren't. But I'm very surprised that they didn't maybe tweak this a little differently to have it be Roxanne versus Tiffany in the final instead of having Roxanne versus Valkyria in the final, which the match will be great or with Tiffany versus Valkyria in the final. Tiffany's got to win this thing. And I think that that's what we're seeing is that this tournament was sort of created for her and Chad. She checks every box she's obviously great looking and she plays into the mean girl she knows how to to the the cadence to use and i think you expect her to not be as good in the ring and then she gets in the ring and she is so intense and aggressive and she throws these forearms and then she catches roxanne and you see the strength and that finisher I don't know if she's ever hit a better one than she did in the match against Roxanne. The way she timed it, like she hit it, and it was almost like she had her hand on her chin on the mat, like looking like, <laughs> look at me, look at It was so perfect 
this girl is going to be an absolute star. This has to be her moment, right? Yeah, you, you talk about interesting. She's, uh, if you look at this, uh, this women's tournament, which uh, what started uh, uh, early in May after Indy, I thought Tiffany was going to win the title during uh, the NXT, what was that, Stand and Deliver? Yeah, I think that Stand and Deliver. It was uh, earlier this month, I believe. Indy won it. She got hurt during the match. Then the next night or whenever the next week, she gets uh, drafted to Raw. Uh, I, I thought she was going over there. She didn't. Um, she beat Gigi Dolan, and then she turns around in the semifinals to beat Roxanne, who everyone thinks, uh, everyone thought she was going to be drafted. Um, look, I remember in the early days of Tiffany Stratton, my daddy, my father said, and I'm like, okay, you know, this gimmick is, yeah, we're supposed to hate her. She's okay in the ring. You talk about somebody that's not coming from an indie wrestling background, right? They, the WWE, when they find these athletes and they work out, boy, do they work out. That's why I said I've always liked NXT uh, a lot of the times, because you see these guys and girls just start from infancy and be really, really green and awkward, and they just become champions overnight. And this is Tiffany Stratton. I was surprised that the other uh, semifinals, Corey Jade kind of felt like a really a squash match to me. Um, I mean, real quick, just like stop for one second. What you just said on this Mm -hmm. show, Carmelo Hayes, Braun Breaker, Tiffany Stratton, Wesley (laughs) um, and the Creed brothers are all people that a year ago were green as grass. You remember how awkward the Creed brothers were, but there was something about them because yep. they were unorthodox professional wrestlers. And we were they're like, doing those videos, those guys. like yeah. workout videos online where they're just like lifting each other and like yeah. picking, and look, like lifting other re- humans. And they couldn't do wrestling moves, but they had a hell of a belly to, to belly to back yep. and belly to belly. <laughs> no, I will say Noam Dar, we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah. He's been, yeah. he's been in yeah. the system since the Cruiserweight Classic. Which was six years ago, and this wow, this I dude realize that always had ability in the ring. He was good, but now remember when he was doing the Alicia Fox <laughs> yeah, stuff? Yeah. I kind of forgot he's actually a really good heel, and he's sort of found his voice in like who he's supposed to be. He has a good gimmick with this Heritage Cup. I go through this this roster, and we just we've seen them all grow up so much. This is. This is one of the biggest stars on the roster, though. And I, I don't think it's hyperbole saying within five years she could be one of the biggest stars in the company. People are going to start cheering for her soon because yeah, she's good. That, and that's the thing. She's going to win this title. Uh, I don't have odds for this pay-per-view um, or this event that's on Peacock. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, they're already getting that way now. Because um, she's so she good in the over, ring. Yeah, when she goes over. Uh, the crowd's going to erupt. I think it's in Boston or somewhere or Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, where, where this event's at. Um, this crowd's going to erupt, and they're going to have to face themselves here pretty soon, whether yeah. or not she's a Charlotte Flair type. And no, I'm not putting her on the same level. But there was a time when they wanted Charlotte to be a heel, then every time she came into the ring, everyone cheered. She still has that problem. They're ha- they're gonna get that problem at the NXT level with Tiffany Stratton after she wins the title this week. Because she could, I mean, I could see it right now. All you'd have to do is just 
Cora Jade comes out and she goes, ew, you know, and then all of a sudden people are cheering <laughs> Tiffany Stratton just because yeah. she's talking the same yeah. way to a heel. You just yeah. direct who she's talking to differently. She doesn't even have to change her character all that much. She can, you know, and that she could just start to lean into the fact that she does look so impressive in ring. Hey, you know what? And a lot of people get rewarded differently uh, throughout WWE. Some rewards are, hey, you're getting called up. Some rewards is you're getting a lot of TV time. But then this hasn't happened yet, and we could be shocked on Sunday night after this match. But isn't it it refreshing to see somebody come up from day one and be rewarded by winning a women's championship at an event like this where there's only, what, five, six matches, and you win this, and it's because of all your hard work? She could have quit and took her ball home. She was taking some losses there, bud. She got hurt. There was some there was some times where she could have taken her ball and went home and pouted and went on Twitter and said, oh, you know, said her real name or whatever it is. But she didn't. She hung in there. And I think this is why she's getting rewarded with this title. We have uh, Noam Daru. I was just talking about versus Dragon Lee in the British rounds rules match for the Heritage Cup. And I think he lost that day. Because he's going to find a way to weasel his way out of this one and hold on to it. I think that's sort of going to be his gimmick. And for a babyface, I don't like when they lose when no, they're the either. champion and then they and then they win titles or. But with, when it's a heel, it doesn't bother me because it's kind of part of the gimmick. When you, sure. I kind of have to weasel your way through. So I don't mind him finding a way to win. This match is going to be really good too. Yeah, and a lot of people have kind of crapped on this a little bit, and these are the people that really don't watch NXT. They probably they just chime in when they see ratings or they see a match flyer, and this was put up, and they go, who? NXT has gone from black and gold, Adam Cole versus so-and-so, uh, now is Noam Dar versus Dragon Lee. This is, this is match of the night potential here. You've got the Heritage Cup also uh, – uh, up for grabs here. These are the type of matches I really, really like and get invested in. If I hey, look, if you're an AEW fan and you just like wrestling matches, this is the one to watch. This is going to be really, really good. Coop, we have a match that's I'm I'm worried in a good way. Uh, this match is going to be dangerous. Dragonoff, Dijak. <laughs> I'm scared even talking about it, but yeah, it. Like I really like both of these guys, and I, 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 I see a big star in Dragonoff. I think he's the type of guy with his like his facials and the way he can portray like emotions in a match. I, I could really see him getting over on the main roster. And again, shout out to NXT UK. Look at look at NXT UK. Valkyria was NXT UK. Noam Dar NXT UK. Gate. Uh, we had Dragonoff NXT UK, Gallus NXT UK. On the main roster, we have multiple folks from NXT UK. So that worked out very well for them. But I um yeah, I mean I I think I lean Dragonoff. I have no idea who's gonna be the last man standing here though, Coop. No, and the build has been really good. Uh, it's been a little squirmish. Um Dragonoff went over via DQ earlier this month, right? Um, then they taunted and tortured each other. Dragonoff went to Dijak's what lair, went to uh, his dungeon of doom and and asked for inflict pain on me. Um, this one's not going to be for the faint of heart. 
Uh, NXT seems to get a little crazier than WWE, Raw, or SmackDown. Crazy matches. This one will get a little crazy. There's been rumors that uh, Dragunov may be the next uh, member of Imperium if they decided to add a fourth member. He's that good. Dijak has been good since day one. He was one of those guys that this was probably... Uh, there was a fight over uh, Dijak uh, when he was uh, he was a free agent, and yep. uh, he came in. We know his story. Uh, we know about retribution not working out. Um, he said, "Hey, let me go down to NXT. Let me do let me do what I do best." And they did it, and uh, he's doing it. And this is a match that, uh, for all sense and purposes, if you didn't have title matches and an NXT championship to headline this, this. I, I would have no problems this being a main event. Dragunov beat Volter when he was still yeah. Volter. Yeah, uh, I think he, I think he ended that big long reign that he, he had. He um, did. So pr- really cool to see that. We have Wesley versus Tyler Bate versus Joe Gacy. This will be really good. I think yeah. overall they've done a very good job with Wes. The only thing that's weird about this, he's like. He's really acting like Tyler Bate screwed him over. And I really don't know what Tyler Bate did other than just say like, oh yeah, I, I do want a match. Like what, what did he do? Like, I don't, he's, he's really emotional about this. I know he lost his other partner before, but, uh, sure, sure. That, but Wesley's really leaning into this. I could see Gacy getting beat and then Wesley Bate having more of a one-on-one. I don't think, I, I don't think either one of them gets pinned. No, it, it, I don't think. And, and I've sung the praises of Gacy last week, uh, him getting. Uh, yeah, I think he's doing better. I like his I like it better. I, I just don't know if he's going to win this title in this spot. No, 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 no. I, I wouldn't think so. It's kind of weird that he got involved in a three way and maybe it's to protect uh, Dempsey. You have the Gulak, you know, card here. Um, th- that'll be interesting going forward here. But you talk about a really solid triple threat match this one will do it here there's going to be some really good moves i don't think wesley loses this title by any means here uh but i do like to i would like to see him and dipsy you know one-on-one in a program by themselves and i think that's what we're going with after this coop we have gallus versus the creed brothers and i actually i think this is the moment for the Creed brothers. I really do. They never they got kind of like a fake title reign, right? Where they won it briefly, but then lost it. It always felt like they were gonna get it back. Gallus has been having fine matches. They had this, I don't know what was up this week with everybody doing fiend lighting. Like Gallus had the weird lighting. Was it like green? And then we've got the the House of Black doing some, I don't know, it looked like there was something frozen on my screen in the background. Like in the the days of the Thunderdome, you know, with like the, the screen people, the people on the back and it freezes. I, I think Gallus has not been the greatest choice to be the tag team champions. They've had some fine no, matches, but no. let's go Creed brothers here. Yeah. This, this is the spot. If, if you're going to pick, you know, other than, you know, Tiffany and, uh, you know, vacate the vacant title going to, to someone, and if you're going to talk about a title changing hands, this would, I think, would be the opportunity here. Now, the Creek Brothers just... What about the stuff with Stax and Tony D? That was kind of weird, right? Stax was, was in the back there with them. Does it he was. maybe get involved and screw them out of it? He feels like he's the guy screwing over Tony D, too, right? Freaking Stax, man. Yeah, Ooh. and he had some schism moments that 
that we're, we're trying to get involved. So th this, as long as we don't get too cute in this match and we get uh, a decisive win and let the Creed brothers win these titles, something tells me some other of these teams may get involved in this match at the end of it as we all go crazy. Hopefully they're saving that for next Tuesday night for NXT. Um, but I'm all in with the Creed brothers, and I think they need those titles back. It was weird to have them with Roderick Strong. Weren't they the Diamond Mine for a while? Or there was some kind of weird faction with them and several other people. It just seems like they haven't gotten a real true run. We had an injury. But no offense to Gallus. I, yeah, let's get the Creed brothers over in this spot. Yep. And uh, we have Carmelo versus Braun. Yep. This is such a good presentation of Braun. Like the when know, he hits man, a spear, so nobody hits a spear like that. I I think I think the best way to do this, and I don't know because it's it's your main event, and I, I don't know if you could do this, but the best thing to do would be for Braun to just snap and like at the after the match or them have a good match and him just go crazy, get DQ'd, like tear the ring apart then gets suspended and he's gone for a month and shows back up on the main roster, like coming up. I just, cause what, what's scary here is Braun doesn't need losses, but like this version of Braun is a good version of Braun. Like, I really like it. I just don't know what to do with him, Chad, because you don't <laughs> want him losing here, but we're like, what else does he need to do on NXT? Yeah, that's that's a good point. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Braun was ready to go up, but right before uh, they were getting ready for these the big draft, this guy turns heel and goes full uh, Steiner on us. And everyone says, this is what we've been wanting since day one, right? And then he starts going, he's so over as a heel on NXT, they're like, man, we can't kill this kid's momentum right now because it would have. It would have completely killed this mo uh, this this kid's momentum. He went on went on the main roster. Is he a heel? Is he a face? Are they going to change his name to something else? And so they've kept him during this run. And man, you know what's weird is not to feel sorry, but it, you kind of feel bad for for Carmelo. He was this guy that he is the next best thing in, in NXT. He wins the title. And then lo and but behold, now he sort of feels a little boring compared yeah, to Braun, like, right? Braun's they flip the like they Braun's really the guy. Yeah, I know. This, it's, this, look, you talk about matches that may not have clean finishes. This is I don't see Carmelo losing this no title. But you know what? If they think Braun is going to stay in NXT and be that guy with the title, so be it. I don't know what it would do for him for us to revisit it, even if he was. Can we get something overheal? like Trick screws, screws him? Sure. And sure. and then they could go to tell that story a little bit with Trick and Carmelo, and it could. I don't know because you're right. I'm not. I'm not saying Carmelo should lose, but it just feels like both of these guys are in a spot. They kind of booked themselves into a little bit of a corner here. And remember, we 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 always say it. It's easier to win this title, and once you get it, things change, right? And who's to say Braun's going to be this badass heel with the title again next week? You know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like your booking here. Something crazy happens. The dude snaps. He goes away for a while. They they cart him off, and next thing you know, he pops up on uh, Fox or USA Network, man. Let's get to AEW. We have a, a big show coming this weekend, Double or Nothing. So Koopa Loop 
it's a really, really packed show. And they did make the announcement that Collision, the new show that's going to be starting on Saturday, the first show will be in Chicago, which means they at least feel confident that they will have CM Punk there. That's sort of a different conversation. And it's weird because they didn't announce CM Punk, which you think you'd want to to sell some tickets. Maybe they feel like they don't need to. A lot of people already know. Maybe they felt like, okay, we have a pay-per-view coming. But again, it's like they're promoting this show. There's a Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Then they have a brand new show starting. They're promoting so many things here. I wonder if this pay-per-view is going to get a little bit of the short end of the stick right now from a, a, a buying standpoint. If you're sitting back at home and you're a wrestling fan and on Saturday... You get the WWE show on Peacock for whatever you're paying for Peacock already, five bucks, ten bucks. Then on Sunday, you get the Battleground show also for that. Do you want to pay 50 for this show that I think has probably one for sure, maybe th- like between one and three matches that people would really, really want to see? The one is. The Anarchy in the Arena match. That'll be awesome. You get Brian Danielson, Moxley, Claudio, Wheeler Yuta versus the Elite. That'll be great. Thought the ending was a little weird. Where was Kenny? I don't know. It felt sort of like they they should have flipped what happened last week and this week, I think, in those two matches, Coop, and yeah. sort of the build yeah. to them. But would yeah. you agree that that is like the match that's probably the one that the most people are looking forward to, especially after Moxley just said he was basically going to kill somebody? Oh, yeah, and I hate, I hate to keep saying we said this last week, but we do. We, we, we actually have some good thoughts and ideas, people. Uh, not that you said you guys send hate, hateful tweets to our beloved Gino um, uh, about things. We, we do have some uh, – we do come up with some good things uh, and give you other alternatives as the other wrestling podcasts will do. Uh, I, you know, I, yeah, th- this has been the most important um, this has been the most important feud heading into this pay-per-view than even the world championship. That that pillars thing has been bad. Yeah. Um, this past week we've get Sabu now is the enforcer, and we'll get to that which yeah, of the I just kept it, thinking the whole time like Sabu? Like I'm thinking like we're of all people well, and it's cool. like it gave me like a oh cool, but I'm doing the mental like how are these guys related? You know, like why do they to get um yeah well um, I, we'll get there. But th- this match is the one that is the main event of the show. This is the Absolutely. one that's selling Absolutely. everybody on the show, and I think this will be great. And I could honestly see either thing happening. I think it would noticeable that Don Callis hasn't been around the last, what, week or two, so sure, maybe he shows fair. up in a way here to screw them over. I, I, I could see that. I do have I do have some odds here. The Elite are small favorites at minus 150. Um, I, I don't think it hurts either team at this juncture because of this type of match. Uh, someone uh, takes the pinfall here, but this definitely is the true main event of this pay-per-view in my eyes. Hell, and it may be, and it may go off as the main event on Sunday night. The next match, which we were just starting to talk about, Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho. (laughs) So Adam Cole and Jericho are in the ring. They're talking, kind of doing their go-home promo segment. Jericho basically says, 
oh, I'm going to screw you over. We got a bunch of guys coming out to beat you up. And then Cole says, well, no, I, I called in a friend from Las Vegas and it was Sabu. So Sabu is going to be the special guest enforcer for this unsanctioned match. I, it just seems like you, you wanted to get Sabu out there for a pop and it, it kind of feels a little shoehorned. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. The Cole Jericho stuff is, has been, has been fine. I think Cole, they're probably, if Cole wins this, he's probably the next guy to face MJF. I'd imagine, you know, for the, for like a world title match in all of this, I will say the thing that has stood out to me the most, they've been treating Roderick strong. Like he's an absolute star, which like is a star. Like he has been getting better treatment than Jay White. Honest question. <laughs> yes. If you didn't know these two guys, and you just watched them for the last month, you would think Roderick Strong was a million times bigger deal than someone like a Jay White. Million times. Or Cesaro, Claudio, who came in. And sure. then, so I, maybe they think highly of of Rodri, Roddy and have plans for him. He's not anything on this show, but I will say, I've really noticed, like, <laughs> Roderick Strong's been getting some good treatment. What do you think happens here uh, in this one, Coop? Uh, yeah, that's funny. And Jay White's having to use a chair on uh, on Sparks during a. And he's not even on the of, show. Where's yeah. Jay White? Yeah, not even on the show. That's uh, you you would think that that match would be pay per view worthy, but uh, it's not. It uh, that that's telling there. Uh, I think Cole goes over here. I, he's a big favorite. Um, I, yeah, and he's probably the next challenger, uh, for MJF. I just hate that we're having to do yet again another unsanctioned match. It just seems like both big promotions have have gone to this gimmick uh, a little too much over the last couple of years to get things across. Uh, you don't want to hurt feelings, and I'm not saying this is the case that Jericho's. I'm not going to lose to Adam Cole or whatever it is. Sabu's involved. There's gonna, look. There's going to be a lot of blood on this pay per view. Hell, there's a lot of blood on Dynamite every Wednesday night. Um, Rampage, there probably is too. I just don't watch it. This one's gonna get weird. <laughs> Sabu's gonna get involved, and he's he, he's gonna get involved in a couple of moves. They'll have the kendo stick. Um, there'll be different things. There'll be a lot of tables for people to go through. Uh, I just hope no one gets hurt. A lot of blood here. I think Cole goes over, and I think him and MJF after we get uh, uh, finished with this pillars gimmick stuff that really hasn't worked out at all for any of them involved which it should have. This is what we really should be looking forward to. We're not. Um, I think Cole will be the next guy to uh, go one-on-one with MJF. We don't even have to talk much about this match because it just is not really important. Ethan Page and the Guns versus the Hardy Party. Like The uh, Guns boy. were just the tag team champions, and where is the poor acclaimed? Like, what? Like, was this all worth it to have matches with FTR and Jarrett and Lethal? You know, I just this team, this company's tag division and all these amazing tag teams that we had and we're not showcasing them repeatedly. I mean, I, I it's a six man tag. If the Hardy Party wins, Matt Hardy will own Ethan's Page's contract. They've been doing this contract gimmicks and this stuff for so long. This stuff's on Rampage and then they don't even show anything about it on Dynamite and Connect It. I yeah, I mean. Like I'm, how is that a pay per view match? And you didn't have Starks versus Jay Jay White. This is not even a kickoff match to me. This is this is a gimmicky rampage type match that um, 
you're thinking, okay, just because Jeff and Matt Hardy involved, we're, we're, we're really interested in it. And the funny thing is, the Hardys are heavy favorites here. The Hardy Party's heavy favorites, minus 600. Um, I, poor Ethan Page. I remember you and I talking about him showing up as, what was he, the Joker? or the uh, He got the Joker card in the ladder match, and we thought, okay, this is it. He comes over from Impact. He's the guy that he's the guy that could really do some things here. Uh-uh. Nope, not happening. This is this is silly. Uh, this is just silly stuff to me, Gino. FTR versus Jarrett and Jay Lethal. I yeah. I just I just wish I just don't think this is a great use of FTR. Like I don't mind I don't mind Jarrett and Lethal being on the roster, being people they use on TV, being in matches. I just I don't you you really want this as your tag team championship match with Mark Briscoe as the special guest referee. They had they're doing a gimmick where Mark Briscoe they have to pretend like the guy accidentally pile drive a person. Are you serious? <laughs> like I heard somebody say, "Yeah, you know the mailman came by and I was sort of off balance. I accidentally pile drived him. You know, I had to say my bad." Like how does that how does that happen in the like people don't accidentally pile, like you know it's like dude. I don't. I don't really like the story for this no, either, and no. I feel like FTR is just in a bad spot. Like going through this entire pay per view again on Monday, talking about if the matches quality are good is one thing because a lot of these wrestlers are really good and will almost always have good matches. But why wouldn't you want to get us more invested in order for us to spend more money on the pay per view? I don't. I don't understand. It's all, you know, even so like at least with Orange Cassidy, him having a, a battle. He had, a hell of an, he had another hell of a uh, title offense on Wednesday He did. And, and like at least it makes sense with what they've been doing, right? He's been challenging everyone, defending it all the time. And he just says, come on out and get me, whoever you want, all of you. Okay, I'm fine with that. So, and I think he's got to win, right? The battle uh, yeah, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, he's got to win. Yeah, first uh, FTR. Uh, yeah, they're heavy favorites. I think this is a waste spot, and I'm not trying to be ugly or be negative here, but it seems like FTR get hurt a lot. Um, you're, you're just, you're no offense. I mean, we even had a Dixie Carter reference on Dynamite Wednesday night trying to get this match over. I, whatever. Um, I if Jarrett and, and and God forbid if uh, if they win the titles, if Jarrett and Lethal and I love Jay Lethal, he's one of my all time favorites. Lethal can go in the ring when he had that promo with Ric Flair and Did I? <laughs> oh, that was oh, you know so Flair throwing his shoes and jacket. You know that's one of the top wrestling moments in my mind to me. Okay, uh, this match has no business being on a pay per view. It, it just it seems like it's gone on forever too. It just seems that. But FDR's heavy favorite. They have to win. Let's let's move on and and put Lethal and, and Jared on Collision or Rampage or something. It doesn't belong on a pay per view. We have yeah okay. So for the Battle Royal, Battle Royal, yeah, which Ricky which Starks is so bizarre, which is yeah, so weird. Yeah. So right after the Ricky Starks, Jay like Ricky Starks cuts a it's promo saying he's gonna go in the Battle Royal, and then he gets attacked by Jay White. Um, but Ricky Starks is in the Battle Royal, Aaron Solo, Powerhouse Hobbs, QT Marshall, and then 16 others with Orange Cassidy. I just, I think he's, 
he's got to, like, he's got to win. I mean, he's got to just win this yeah. thing. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. And look, uh, Orange Cassidy has, uh, again, we feel like this is, you know, we talked about Braun Breaker uh, finding his footing. Uh, this is what Orange Cassidy needed to be doing, and not him, because he's been doing the exact same thing for years now. But at the beginning of AEW, when they brought the hottest gimmick on the indies and they signed him again, he was a guy that was being talked about going to the WWE. He was that hot. There were a lot of promotions after him. What he's been doing over the last month or so, uh, uh, since winning this title that got renamed, he's been putting on really good matches, and they've been opening the show every Wednesday night at Dynamite. And so this is what we wanted from the get-go with Orange Cassidy. This guy with a weird gimmick, if you didn't get it, just watch it. He rustles, he puts the gimmick in the match. He gets put with the best friends. He's the third wheel on a date. He's just kind of... Nah, he, this this is a chance for him to shine on a pay per view. He's been doing good things. Reward this guy. And let him let him be a, be a star in this uh, in this match. For as critical as we are, Orange Cassidy's been a very big highlight in a bright spot. He's been doing well. He's one of the most over guys that they created. Like you think about guys that they actually created, and he's one of the biggest stars. So, OC, shout out to him, Jade Taya. Does does Jade finally lose? I mean, I just don't really care as much about her right now as I should for someone who's 60 and oh, this feels like her first real feud. I mean, I would love to see Taya win. I really would. Small little uh, little technical difficulty there. But yeah, Coop, I mean, OC, he's the guy that we've yeah. recently we've seen. He's kind of elevated himself. He connects with the crowd. I wouldn't I would have no problem with him moving up the ranks, too. He honestly feels sure. like one of the the more over baby faces on the entire roster. Like, I think you could do a match with him versus MJF that would be more over than the match that they're going to put as the main event on this show. I wish I could argue with you. Uh, and that's what happens when you use a guy on T or a girl on TV properly. Consistently. And they, that Yeah, and that's what they've been doing with Orange Cassidy, and he's so over. Imagine him being in the main event against MJF with his title, um, what, what, what's, uh, what's that, what's that title called now? All the Atlantic, international. The all, or international or now, international, yeah, right? That's what, international title. Imagine Orange Cassidy, international champion versus MJF, world champion. MJF, look, this gimmick is, look, if I beat you, Orange Cassidy, which I'm supposed to, I don't, this ain't a title for title. Your belt is insignificant. I don't want it. But if you beat me, you can have my world title. That alone sells itself. Then he can do his little gimmick. You know, I, I just, th things like that could really take AEW to the next level. But Orange Cassidy has been a been a, a, a star here over the last month. And this is what he's been doing on the indie scene. This is why he was one of the hot uh, free agent stars when he signed with AEW. So I, I'd like to see him really, really get after it in this spot. Hopefully they give him some time here. Taya, Jade, started getting to this one a little bit too. Yeah. I just have not been really interested with Jade at all moving forward. I think no. that if if she's not ready by now to be having more important matches with some of the other women in the division, I think it might be time to go to Taya. I really do. Like I just the the way they've had a, they've actually had a story with this unless they've got some big plan for who's going to beat Jade or what they're going to do, I just I I would like to see them go Taya here. I really would.
Yeah, I do too. Uh, just for the simple fact, uh, I really, really like Ty. I have nothing against Jade here. Unfortunately, the odds say that Jade probably would keep the title minus 400. Um, she's this TBS champion. She gets a pay-per-view match and she really hasn't been seen a whole lot. Um, this should be the type of match that should be really, really promoted because Taya Valkyrie is an international superstar. She's been all over the world. Um, she's been in every promotion and it just seems like it's not going that direction. I don't even know if Jade being put on Saturday nights on collision with this title would do anything. I think they missed the boat here. They could have definitely done a Goldberg type, you know, destroying everybody. She's the AEW women's champion, but instead she's, she's fought some meaningless jobbers. Um, I, I would want a new direction here in Taya Valkyrie and let Taya be put on that, that Saturday night show. Um, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm hoping it happens. Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm. I like this new, yeah. more, more yeah. aggressive Tony Storm. It It's just like they haven't done anything with this. They've just had the same exact people turn heel and babyface within about six months. That's it. And so it it feels like, gosh, it feels, are these all the same women? Yes, they are. It's all the same exact people, like the same exact ones. Um, I, I actually think Tony should win this match with, yeah, with the I way it too. is. I think it would just be better for the few than you could have Tony and Britt and you could just sort of open things up a little bit more. I think someone they want to start pushing more is Willow, who got the win over Monet, yeah. um, Mercedes Monet uh, over the weekend. And is now like um, a New Japan, has a New Japan title. And so I think I could see her being a baby face that starts to pop up soon. Final two matches for us uh, on the card. Coop, Wardlow versus Christian Cage in a ladder match for the TNT Championship. I don't think the build to this has been very good. No. I feel like with Wardlow, he had two different moments where things were going great for him. And we could feel it as it was happening. We tried to warn him every time. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do this. Unfortunately, he just isn't as over as he used to be. And there's rumors of Goldberg coming oh, in boy. at some point and Wardlow maybe having a match with him. Um, oh, I, do you think he wins this ladder match? Could you see there being some shenanigans with Luchasaurus, with Christian Cage? How do you think the result of this plays out? I hope not. I think it's Wardlow. I think it's him all the way. He's pretty strong favorite here, minus 300. I, I didn't like the pairing with Arn Anderson. We've talked about that. We don't want to beat a uh, beat that subject uh, as as we've been doing. Just makes no sense, you know. Arn Anderson, you know, you know, comes to Christian. You know what uh, Wardlow is going to do to you with a with a with the ladder. I, I don't think this guy needs anybody to speak for him here. Um, you know, a, a, after this match. Uh, you know, there was talk you and I wanted him to go in the direction of NJF. Don't think they're going in that direction. Now the hot rumor is, as you mentioned, Goldberg at Wembley Stadium there. You're going to have to bring some star power there with all those tickets sold. Um, I don't think there's any shenanigans. I just think Wardlow's wins. Uh, I, I'm not expecting a lot out of this match. Cage is no spring chicken. Uh, just hope everyone uh, gets out of the match healthy. And uh, we get Wardlow going in a different direction than what he's been because it's a very it's been very underwhelming, that's for sure. Main event, I guess main event, the world title match. <laughs> <laughs> You've got MJF, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, the four pillars. They they have tried here. I think 
what they did with making Sammy and MJF buddies and then trying to make Sammy into a baby face and then almost looking like they're going to go back and have Sammy be a heel again. That's a little too much. I think while all of these guys are very good in ring and all of them should be a major part of the roster, I think we saw some of the weaknesses from these guys when it comes to having a real main event type pro, uh, program that you need to build with promos, with segments, with a little bit more than in-ring work. If I was ranking them, rank them, Coop, who do you think? So let's take MJF out, right? There's no way he's losing this match. Uh-huh. Yeah, I right? agree. Totally agree. So, so then rank, rank the other three, right? Let's say, oh, let's say MJF does lose. Whatever reason, we're waking up on Monday talking about how we are shocked, we are wrong, CM Punk comes in and screws him out of the title. Sure. Right? Uh, Whatever. Who who are, put the other three in order? Who do you think could? And give me the could and the should. Like, who should be there? Who could be? Uh, what's, what's bad is this is tough to do, but I'm going to do I know. it. Uh, I would rank Darby first. Um, a close first between him and Jack Perry. And then Sammy Guevara third. That's who I would. That's who I would do. I would probably. I would. I would definitely have Darby first with you. Sure. I might flip the other two, and and sure. only in. I don't think they would put the title on Sammy. I could see them putting it on Jungle Boy more than Sammy. I actually think in the build to this, I've probably been the most disappointed with Jungle Boy. Yeah. In just not yes. like, not stepping up quite to this level you you just took the key words i was going to say the same thing but i was going to put it like dude when they give you a chance to take the reins take the freaking reins it just there comes a point in time where yeah you may only get 30 seconds of of this storyline this week make it the best 30 seconds he of the of the four uh, take mjf out him of the three have been the less he's been the less the least memorable of yep. these three. Because at least Sammy, Sammy's actually had a couple. Like I don't, I think they've been trying to do too much with him. Like he's yeah, been a babyface one week and a heel one week. And MJF, I hated and that on Monday. Me neither. But but the, there have been at least one or two times where, like, you could see him trying, and you could see Sammy like, like almost there. You know, like at like he's he's raising his level on the promo game and that stuff. Because for some of these guys, it's not natural and it's not easy, right? So I, I understand that, but I do think I've just been I felt better about him about Jack Perry getting the world title someday before this whole thing started. Sure. Like now that it started, I'm I'm like I don't know if he's ever that. <laughs> like I just don't. I don't, and maybe some are and some aren't, but, and maybe I'm dead wrong and he can change. It just, he's got to find his voice a little bit more. MJF's got to win here, but who the hell knows what happens? Does Punk show up? Is Punk even going to be at shows where it's all these other people? Is he going to be at pay-per-views? Is he going to be at Dynamite? We have no idea. It changes day to day, moment to moment. And as it does, we will talk about it right here on That's What G Says. Basically like, these are the days of our lives. Right, it's basically <laughs> like like that when it comes to punk with AEW. <laughs> Coop a loop, my man. Thanks again for another great week. This is this is a big one this weekend. Three different shows, Saturday, Sunday. So we will have a lot to digest next week. 
Yeah, it's uh, this is uh, the good old dog days of summer here. That even though summer officially on the calendar, not it is not until what the middle latter part of June, but Memorial Day weekend is your unofficial start to summer. Uh, pro wrestling, the big summer blockbusters are coming. The the big horse races are coming, and uh, you, my friend, uh, who work twenty four seven, you have more energy. Uh, than all of us put together, uh, you can continue to defy the odds. Well, that, that's and, because uh, of some of the decongestants I'm taking right now. That, that, <laughs> that is that's, true. Say, that's because of the doctor. Uh, the, doctor the old, uh, the old trailer, say, trailer park uh, concoction. The old trailer woo-hoo! park concoction. <laughs> love, love that. Love that. Coop, and I also love you, my friend. At you the it, Chad Cooper. We're going to be following along with Chad on Twitter and on Instagram. Coop will be back with us again next week. Thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate it. You have a great weekend. You got it, Gino. Chad Cooper, Coopaloo. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. Thank you so much to Chad for helping us out. Best of luck to everyone playing the races this weekend. Make sure to come follow along. It's me, Gino B, on Twitter if you need more help playing the races this weekend. Good luck. Uh, Coming up soon, we will have... Guardians of the Galaxy 3, a deep dive with Tim Kelly, and we'll also get you Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. We'll also discuss that one coming up in the next few weeks. Thanks so much for making That's What G Said a part of your weekend.